Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Schaff, along with Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode 36, uh, Artie 36. Um, 36. 3-6 Mafia, baby. 3-6 Mafia. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, Artie, how, how, how have you been, man? Everything going I'm good, good, man. I'm good. You know, the, the, the daily grind is, is it is what it is. You know, we're about to we're about to shut back down again all over the country, so it's just grinding. It's just work. That's all it is. Yeah, you got any plans for uh, the holidays coming up? Uh, was originally supposed to go to Florida. That got canceled because of COVID. Uh, my dad's got some got some elderly people in his house right now. He doesn't want anything to happen with them, so gotcha. they kind of shut that down. But my mom, I know she's she's doing a, a kind of alternate route from traditional Thanksgiving. She's having gumbo. It's gonna be gumbo and chocolate bourbon pecan pie. It's gonna be for mm. dessert. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'm really I'll, looking. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. You're gonna have to tell Michelle I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna need a slice of that pie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I and man, I meant to I meant to bring you some of this uh, stuffing that Savannah makes. I know we've mm. talked about it. this is kind of going off the rails here. My wife, so my my family has the best stuffing recipe out there. It's, it's, for, <laughs> it's from my it's from my grandfather. Says, uh, says everybody on the planet. Nah, I, I guarantee this this shit's made with real cornbread. Mm-hmm. You, want, you want to talk about some good ass food? That, that's what this is. Everything is scratch made, right? Everything is everything. From, from scratch. Everything. Yeah. It's nothing and, but TLC. Man. Tender love and care. And oh, I, I, I could, I could eat that as a meal. You got, you got. Oh man, that's it's perfect. I, don't, I don't cook, but uh, <laughs> that that to me, I, I love it. It's my, it's one of my favorite favorite uh, sides that we have. I get like I said, I could eat it as a meal. But Artie, uh, let, let's kind of jump right into it. We have a. We have an awesome guest on this week. He, uh, it's one of the writers from Twenty Four Seven Sports. He he covers the Temple Owls and mm-hmm. Owls Daily. Um, once again for Twenty Four Seven Sports, he, it's Ryan Wallen. Um, we uh, we had a really fun conversation with him. He he's very intelligent. Oh my he, God, yes. He, I mean, one of the most, um, I mean, just really deep dive in, into Temple and this matchup with ECU. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about that, but, and we'll, we'll get to that here, here in a little bit, but mm. already we're only, we're recording this at, it's right now 1215 on the yeah. dot um, on Friday morning. Um, any, any and everything to make the people happy, man. Any and hey, everything. Hey, we, we did our first fleet on Twitter um, just a little bit ago. Mm. I, po- I posted that it was time. Um, but that was also at like 11:45, so um, it, it, it's time 30 minutes ago. But it's still time for the Boneyard Podcast, Artie. It's almost time for ECU basketball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Is this the most excited you've ever been for ECU basketball? This is absolutely the most excited <laughs> I have ever been for ECU basketball. When I was a student, I did not go to a lot of ECU basketball games because I really did not care about ECU basketball. And I am a huge basketball fan. I love basketball. I'm a huge basketball nut. I'm a sports nut, sports nut in general. But, 
you know, when I was a student, it was like, eh. You, you were this, like the – you're like the other 99.7% yeah, of you know, students. If, if, we had a, if we had a good opponent coming to town like a UConn or a Cincinnati or a Memphis, I'd go to the game and, you know, it's like, okay, we're hyped up. The, the stadium's packed. Everybody's jumping. And then at halftime, we're losing about 30 points. It's like, okay, time to go hit this house party. Like, that's, that's what it was like when I was in school. Man, I was all I was consistently drinking drinking my sorrows away after an ECU loss. <laughs> Actually, I was looking through my phone and I, I saw – I saw a uh, picture from uh, – and I looked at the date. It, it was after ECU lost. They lost a, a heartbreaker that night. I can't – I believe it was to to Lane. Um, ECU lost, and I'll have a picture later on that night of me still wearing my, my purple out at 519, just sloshed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I sent it to one of my friends uh, – my, one of my friends, Avery, and, and I was like, do you remember this? And she was like, no, I, I have no idea what, what that night was. So, um, yeah, that, that was fun. Um, but, Artie, ECU is finally getting a cohesive group of guys and yes. building building that experience. And these, are, these aren't just like your your typical ECU basketball guys. These are, mm-hmm. these are like high-ceiling, high-caliber guys. I mean um, – you, you've got a lot of potential with these guys, um, and, and a lot of them. I mean, Jaden Gardner is a junior, but a lot of these guys are right now are just going into their sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe going some of them going into their junior year. But I mean, these guys are together for another two to three years, and you can see what Joe Dooley is is building. He's going big. He's going. Uh, he, he's getting some speed, and he's putting a lot of skill into this team. This this has the making of ECU having a really good team in the next year or two, and and this team this year can upset a lot of people. I I don't I don't see us you know going that much over five hundred. I think this team's good enough to get to five hundred, but we could also shock a lot of people. I, I don't think this ECU basketball team is going to be a team that you like circle on the calendar and say okay that's an automatic win. In years past, it was like okay ECU that's a win. Let's go ahead and take care of our business in Greenville and get somewhere else. No, no, no. You actually have to game plan and get ready for this squad in Greenville. And I, that's what I'm excited about to see. Yeah, teams were uh, teams were already putting in their sup dogs order during halftime for, right. for the <laughs> right. postgame meal. Um, yeah, I, I think looking at it, I, I think that this is uh, – I, I kind of compare where ECU is in basketball right now. To where they where they are in in football, and I know that the record in football is one and six, and I know it's it's not as uh, as good as we would like it to be. Mm-hmm. But also looking at it, I I think that you can see the movement in the program, and ECU ECU is making strides to to get better and and to actually be competitive in this in, in a tough conference. Tough conference in football and basketball, and I mean, not so much in baseball. That you usually have some top twenty-five teams, but in in basketball and football, you're looking at a conference that usually has three to five teams ranked in the top twenty-five, mm-hmm. and and I mean they compete with they compete with the Power Five, quote unquote Power Five conferences, and ECU is going to start being competitive in this conference, and it's going to be a lot of fun watching Joe Dooley do his thing here in Greenville. Artie, I, and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and, and when ECU made the hire to, you know, to, to get Joe Dooley, 
that that to me was like, okay, they are tired of being complacent. They are tired of being at the bottom. Because I followed Joe Dooley when he was at Florida, Florida Gulf Coast. I saw what he did there. He went 114 and 58, took them to a sweet 16. His, you know, his his record is is proven. And so when they hired him, I was like, okay, we're really trying to build a program here. Jaden Gardner obviously obviously is going to be a stud. We've got three freshmen coming in and Noah Farrakhan. I love saying his name, by the way. Noah Farrakhan is an awesome dude name. Is, dude is a baller. That is, I just love that name. I want to say that name over and over again. Noah Farrakhan. You got Derek Kwansa. I hope I said his last name right. I don't know if I did. And then you got Brennan probably, Kelly. Probably not. It, probably not. Probably not. But that's okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to know it. Just like Rajay Harris. I'll, I'll get to know it eventually. But um, I, I think that the incoming freshmen, they all look pretty, pretty damn good. And then you have the veteran leadership of a stud star basketball player like Jaden Gardner. Um, sky's the limit for this team. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited for ECU basketball this year. It, it would not surprise me at all if ECU – did pretty good and made the NIT this year. It w- I would not like. It, I would not be surprised. Oh, if, oh the, the, yeah, the NIT should definitely be a goal. Like that, that the, should be something N- like bubbled on on the on the you know on the chalkboard. I, like, I don't, look, I don't, the NIT I, is something that we should definitely be able to to get to. I don't think you make the NCAA this year. Um, may not even make it next year, but I definitely think the NIT is is doable. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's what every ECU fan, every all the players on on that team. I think that's what they should all, like you said, have it marked down. That that's the goal. Now, Artie, real quick, last thing about basketball, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, and I'll, I'll give my opinion too. Is Jaden Gardner a top seventy-five player in the country? It's not up for debate. He's absolutely a top seventy-five player in the country. His I agree. the goal for Jaden Gardner is to be top fifty, maybe even top thirty. And and he was, I think he was a leading scorer in, in the American last year. If, if I'm not. He, I believe he was one of the leading scorers in the country. Last yeah, he yeah he was one of the leading scorers in the country, and I know he was the leading scorer in the American. So you know, for for Jaden Gardner, the sky's the limit. I mean, this is a guy that's trying to get into the National Basketball Association. He's trying to go to the league, and and so yeah, I, I definitely think he's not only top seventy five, he's top fifty, and he's trying to crack that top thirty, and, and maybe even be a lottery not not a lottery pick, but a draft pick. Um, so you know, I I I think for him. The sky's the limit. I can't see what he did. He's only a junior, too. I don't think he leaves after this year. I think he has a stellar year this year, and he comes back for his senior year. I think he's going to be a four-year starter. Yeah, I'm – I mean – and the, the the fact that he was left off, he was a second-team all-conference, like, preseason last year, mm-hmm. after putting up a hell of a, a, of a freshman season. Yeah. And, and the, the guy's a double-doubles machine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a walking double double. Like he he come he steps into the building with a double double mm-hmm. every single night, and I mean, yeah, I I'm excited to see Jaden Gardner ball again. Um, I, I know that I know that he, he's all the hype and he's worth it. That that kid that kid's gonna be a stud, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it to the league. But Artie ECU is traveling up to Temple, Philadelphia, the brother. The city of brotherly love. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun time. ECU hasn't fared too well in in Philly before. Um, we do not like going to Philly. We, we don't. don't like it for some reason. We just don't like it. whether Temple's good or bad. We just don't like going to Philly. We we've never won there. I used I used to just say that when when ECU is good. Uh, <laughs> when when ECU is good, 
Um, that that's a loaded statement, but when they would go to these these games, when Cincinnati played in uh the the Bengal Stadium or going up to Temple and and playing up in uh, the Link, mm-hmm. I always used to say that. Well, yeah, ECU's going from playing in a, in a stadium that's packed with fifty five thousand screaming pirates to playing in a in a empty professional football stadium right i used to that was that was my my old excuse it's it's you can't use that excuse now because i mean ecu hasn't really been the greatest and has their attendance has dwindled um but ecu travels up to temple um these are two teams that one temple's one in five ecu's one in six we'll break down the we'll break down the game here in a little bit but um Real quick, if you had to give me, um, just just give me your, give me one word to describe how you feel going into this game. Cautious. Cautious. Okay. Cautious, because there should be a lot of expectation for for this game. Um, you know, and and, and like 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 you said, we're gonna break it down. We're gonna get into it. Um, but you know, this, this is a game that ECU really should be like, okay, not only should we win this game, we should really blow this team out and, and we'll explain why we should blow this team out. But at the same time, we've had our struggles. I know our record does not reflect who we are, but at the end of the day, we are one in six. And so, you know, for me, cautious, I'm, I'm real cautious going into this game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I would have to say that if I, I guess mine would be nervous because mm-hmm. I know kind of the implications of how this game could could turn out, right? If it doesn't go the right way, mm-hmm. um, I'm not not saying that anything crazy is going to happen um, when I say implications, but I know that there's going to be a serious overreaction. If, if, if there's a negative result to this game, the reaction is going to be astronomical. <laughs> it, is, it is going to be huge. E- even if th- – there could be – that could be – that could happen even if ECU wins this game. Like, yeah, the fans, the ECU fans, the Pirate fans right now, they're unhinged. Um, and, 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 and and rightfully so in, right, in some I, I was, cases. I'm just going to say, you know, a, a lot of people growing up with, with pirate football, ECU is a football school. Let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it confused. You know, we I just know, talked, we just talked for 10 minutes how ECU is a basketball school. <laughs> I know, I know our basketball is on the rise. And to be honest with you, our baseball program is the best program that we have on campus. That's not even close. Our baseball program is the best program sports wise that we have. But ECU is a football school. And when football is good, business is good. And when business is booming, everybody's happy. And business has not been booming for quite some time. And so that's why people are a little unhinged right now. And rightfully so. Yeah, and, man, I long for the days where ECU is good at football again and, and we can cover a, a team that's selling out, selling out a stadium Beating beating those uh, power five teams. Mm-hmm. Hell, I wish we were, I wish we were playing Michigan this year. Man, <laughs> the, the way my boys look, that, that's an ECU victory. <laughs> the, the way they look, 
God bless. Turn up the band. Let's let's hear some EC victory and, and walk out the I door. I tell you what, when we if, if Michigan still looks the same in 2023, ECU's gonna win by landslide. Yeah, so but Artie, that's uh that's enough talking about uh future games. Let's uh let's talk about the game this week. Uh yeah. let's let's go ahead and send it over to Ryan Wallen from twenty four seven sports, Al's Daily. Um I, I had a fun time talking to him. Um so yeah, here here it is. Ryan Wallen. This week on the Boneyard Podcast, everybody, we're uh, we're pleased to be joined by the one of the writers for Owls twenty four seven. His name is Ryan Wallen. He's he's a alumni of Temple University. Uh, Ryan, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Uh, we're we're doing we're doing pretty good out here uh, down here in North Carolina. So I want to ask you first and foremost. I know that there's been some uh, talk about COVID situation COVID situations in uh in at Temple up there in Philly. Uh, what what can you give us and uh, can you give us an update about that? Yeah, sure. So obviously Temple's been one of the the teams that have been hit hard this year by COVID, um, especially in the American Conference. You know, the last couple of weeks they've been very undermanned in playing their games. Um, last week, I believe the number is they only brought sixty one players to the game, and only forty five were completely healthy and available to play, and others the other sixteen were on limited play counts. So obviously when we're talking about scholarship players only having, you know, a fraction of that available to play in games, uh, that's been, that's been a large portion of the reason of why Temple has performed so poorly this season, um, not only with COVID, but just injury bug in general has been uh, pretty brutal. Obviously um, we got the news before the game against UCF this past Saturday that, uh, starting quarterback Anthony Russo, who had missed the previous two games with a shoulder injury, um, was going to be out because of COVID uh, protocol. So not sure whether that means he had been had, or had contracted the virus himself or it was just contact tracing situation. But obviously he will miss the game this week due to when they figured when they found out that the test came back positive, which was last Monday. So he will be out at least until this coming Monday. So um, looks like obviously that Temple's going to be again undermanned. Um, they should be getting a couple players back um, from COVID protocol, uh, hopefully in starting linebacker core that they had been severely undermanned this year. Um, so hopefully they'll have some guys back there uh, coming off COVID protocol this year. Um, but like I said, you know, they, they've been one of the teams impacted most. They've, they're just, down to their third stringers pretty much at this point in, in a lot of position groups or at some point in this season they've been playing third stringers fourth stringers and this week obviously is going to be the same thing now with uh, a true freshman quarterback starting for the Owls. Yeah and I, I, I want to kind of follow up that question with a question about um, what were your thoughts on on coach Rod Carey's um, comments from I believe it was yesterday or earlier today where he said that they had not – I mean, they didn't want to play the last couple of weeks. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, for those of you guys that didn't follow that, um, so basically during Rod Carey's media availability yesterday that he said outright that because of, like I said, the injury situation that the Owls have been and the COVID situation that they've had, Rod Carey said that he would have preferred to have the last three weeks uh, games scheduled or post or rescheduled or postponed or just canceled altogether. 
due to the number of players that he's had available. Like I mentioned, against UCF, only 61 players available out of 115 players on a roster. That's almost half your roster gone. Um, so I, I can see why Rod did not want to play those games because you figure you lose a couple more guys to injury in that game. I mean, you're, you're getting down to numbers where players are – you're getting pretty thin at a lot of position groups and guys that might not be playing positions that they're necessarily comfortable with or maybe had not played since high school. And, you know, that, that just is a safety risk to some players. Um, obviously, players need to go out and they're there to play the game, but they're also there to be – you know, they're human beings at the end of the day as well. So you have to take that into consideration. And um, Rod obviously said that there were powers above him that did not feel that way, whether he was meaning that was the conference that told him that they could not postpone or reschedule those games or Temple administration, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I mean, I think at that point when you have almost half your roster depleted due to injuries or COVID or opt-outs, I mean, I think that he was making the right statement, but it might not look at the, as good on paper when, you know, Temple's performed as poorly as they have this year, even when early in the season they didn't have maybe necessarily all the injuries and uh, COVID-related issues. Yeah, and, and and Ryan, you know, Temple and ECU have both had pretty bad years, um, you know, uh, this season. And I was I was going to ask what was the biggest issue facing Temple this year, but you 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 pretty much answered that with the injury bug and 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 the COVID bug. Uh, but if there's any bright spot that you see with this team going into this week's game, what would a, what would a bright spot be on this team that that you see? You know, I think the biggest bright spot on the team this year has been, you know, that this team I wouldn't say has given up. Um, you know, they've continued to fight and these young guys that are getting in and getting a lot of playing time, you know, some of them are taking their first college snaps and they're seeing their first college action because there's been a lot of true freshmen that have played or redshirt freshmen who maybe sat out last year. So I think they're taking a lot of the most of the opportunity. Um, I've seen some bright spots from them, especially in the secondary. You know, you've got guys like freshman Alex Odom, who started at safety the last two weeks who's really been a bright spot. He's been making a lot of tackles. He's forced fumbles, which that's, that's something you really want to see from a guy that's a true freshman getting in on getting his first collegiate action in. Um, so that's definitely been a bright spot. I think it's really good to see that the receiving core has still performed fairly well, considering that they've gone through now, this is going to be their fourth quarterback this week. They're playing. Um, Jaden Blue, Brandon Mack, Randall Jones all have the potential to be stars in the NFL, um, particularly Blue and Mack. Um, Jones has kind of been a pleasant surprise this year after sitting out uh, most of last year and redshirting as a, a senior last year, actually, to come back this year. But unfortunately, he suffered an injury um, in that um, game before UCF, uh, the SMU game. So um, unfortunately, he missed last week. Not sure whether he'll be back this, this week or not. Um, but obviously Temple would hope to have him maybe back next year with the NCAA's uh, waiver approval for every player getting a essentially a free year of eligibility. Gotcha. gotcha. Now, now, you talked about the, the quarterback situation. I want to kind of go into that. Came out yesterday, um, starting quarterback for this week against ECU is going to be true freshman Matt Duncan. Um, uh, I know you say he's, he's a third or fourth string quarterback. 
what do you know about the kid? I know, I know that he was recruited by ECU at one point, but uh, what, what, what can you tell ECU fans about, about Matt Duncan? All right, so, well, coming into camp, Matt Duncan was one of seven quarterbacks on Temple's roster. So, starting at the beginning of the year, I can guarantee you Matt Duncan had no idea that he was going to see action this year. <laughs> he probably – no one on this team, no one in the coaching staff probably even expected him to be playing this year. But here we are, Temple's out their top three quarterbacks this week. Uh, like I mentioned, Anthony Russo's in COVID protocol. Uh, backup Trad Beatty had suffered an injury late in the game against um, – I believe it was Memphis or Tulane or Memphis um, looked like he suffered a concussion possibly that is probably going to knock him out the rest of the year. And then last week, Rayal Mitchell uh, suffered an injury against um, or it was SMU for Beatty. Sorry. And then uh, Rayal Mitchell got nicked up against UCF and Kerry announced that Mitchell was going to be sitting out the rest of the year as well due to that injury. So Duncan now fourth quarterback in, um, I know that he is based off of what I've seen from his film because I haven't gotten to see him practice this year, obviously due to COVID. Um, didn't get to see him play in person because he only saw limited action last week and the old Temple's only allowing one media member. But I mean, I saw him in the game a little bit on TV. Um, his, based on his film, I would say he is a more of a dual threat. Um, two four seven actually had him listed as a pro style quarterback. He's more of a dual threat, if I would say. Um, I know that he uh, was is the all time leading passer at his high school, which was Ashley Ridge High School, which broke the mark of his older brother Stephen Duncan, who was a quarterback at Western Kentucky. Um, so he played at Western Kentucky the past two seasons, and now is at Tarleton State as a grad transfer. Um, so Duncan obviously can throw the ball. He threw for 6,800 yards plus in high school, uh, 40 touchdowns over the course of, I believe it was three seasons. He was the starter there and he completed over 56% of his passes. So not too bad. Um, I know his team didn't have the best record in high school, but I, I think that was more so where they were playing. Um, obviously Ashley Ridge is in South Carolina. So he's from your guys's area down in the Carolinas. Um, so, uh, this will be, I'm sure a homecoming for him. Um, I'm sure if fans are allowed there, you know, he'll, he'll have family there seeing him make his first collegiate start. I, I know today on, uh, Mike Houston's presser, he said, you know, he, they, ECU did recruit him at some point and that, uh, he actually had recruited his older brother while he was at James Madison, thought he was a really good quarterback, um, coming out of high school, Matt, that is. Um, that he has good arm, pretty good accuracy, and he's a, he's a lefty quarterback, so that's always a challenge in defending. And then you also have um, him have, a, have that running ability too. So they liked him. Um, Mike Houston says, you know, obviously last week that he thought Temple was conservative in their play calling uh, with getting him some snaps just because they wanted some time to plan a package for him, and he's, he's prepared for a new package to be seen this week. Um, so obviously Temple has, I guess, that element of surprise, if you could call it that, uh, up their sleeve. Um, starting a true freshman quarterback, similar to how, you know, ECU might have had that advantage earlier in the year with Mason Garcia starting. So obviously um, Duncan, haven't seen a whole lot of him other than the snaps he saw in the game. Um, I think he's got the potential to be the quarterback of the future for the Owls. I guess we'll see 
I guess, how that plays out this week. Um, I just wouldn't say I would expect a lot considering that he, like I said, was the fourth string quarterback and has not seen a whole lot of reps with the number ones. That chemistry might not be there yet with those guys. So um, I'll be interested to see how their play calling goes with him, though, because they have been generally pretty conservative this year with their quarterbacks. Um, Don't know how well that's necessarily worked out for him, but um, maybe maybe this is the week that, you know, they're thinking freshman quarterback, why not just go out there and maybe see what he can do. Maybe he's the guy moving forward. Yeah, and and Ryan, kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, Temple has, has had the good fortune, in, especially in the last couple of years, to have some coaches come in like a Matt Rule come in and, and change the program around and, and kind of build the program up. But they go on and, and they leave the program for, I guess, bigger or, or quote-unquote better jobs. Um, how do you feel about Rod Carey and, and how he can build this program back to what it was a few years ago um, going forward when you guys get everybody back healthy? You know, Rod's a proven winner, obviously. You know, coming in from Northern, he had a very solid winning record out of Northern Illinois. Uh, he had won two MAC championships. I believe he had 51-30 record there at Northern, so that's not anything to slouch on 20 games above 500. And obviously he's doing that with – less recruiting, less facility, less money, less draw to get kids to come to Northern. So, I mean, uh, he took over from a staff with uh, Dave Duran, um, who was at Northern before, you know, coming and taking over that program with Jordan Lynch as that quarterback, um, almost got him to Heisman. They were in a New Year's Six Bowl. um, And then he continued that growth at Northern. And, you know, the last year, unfortunately, has not been the best for Rod since he's come to Temple. Um, mm-hmm. He started off pretty strong last year, and then towards the end of last year, you could just see the team started tapering off. Uh, the defense especially has tapered off under him, which is very unusual considering that when you hear Temple football over the past five, six years, they've been known for their defense. So obviously I think that is a concern. Um, Rod is an offensive guy. He was an offensive line coach. So he does have more of the offensive background. So maybe after this year, you might want to take a look at your defensive staff, or maybe you need to start recruiting some better defensive players because um, the defensive numbers just simply have not been good enough this year. The defensive performance has not been good. And, and it's you've seen these trends continue, like missed tackles, pl- uh, players playing with a high pad level, um, linebackers just really – playing poorly and running themselves out of plays and not being able to cover. And and you just sit and wonder, like, what's happened to that Temple defense that yeah. used to be top 10 in the nation, you know, that mm-hmm. Matt Rule had built. And even under Jeff Collins had had solid defenses where maybe the offense was the struggle. That, that kind of sounds like how ECU has been over the past three or four years. I mean, they're they're getting better about – I mean, I, I've, I've been watching some of the message boards. They're They're getting better about tackling now. And they like to they like to bang heads, but in years past, you were you were one you were wondering if are they scared of, are they scared of contact? Now I have a question of like so this year, Temple's one in five. This is going to be the first losing season since 2013. Um, that that's kind of how the downward trajectory started for ECU. I want to what are your thoughts on on Temple going forward after? 2020 going into going into the next uh the next couple of years so obviously i think that this year 
everybody should get a free pass for because of the situation that's going on with the pandemic nationwide and, and worldwide. Um, so I, I can't say that this year is a good evaluator of how every team in the country is performing. Obviously, you still have your solid programs at the top of the P5, like Clem, your Clemsons and Ohio States and whatnot. But you also see teams like Penn States and that are in Temple and Michigan. other schools, Michigan, who are not playing <laughs> well. And, I mean, I know yeah. Temple is nowhere near comparable to Penn State or Michigan. I, I'm I, trying to compare them. But teams that you've historically seen do well in the past couple of years and they have a tradition of winning – they're just not performing this year. And we don't know, obviously, what goes on inside the locker rooms all the time. We don't right. know what the players' mindsets are and how coaches are handling this because every coach is handling it differently, as I'm sure every person's handling this pandemic differently. So I, I think everybody should get a free pass this year. But obviously, Temple next year, if they come out of the gates next year and are looking the same way, I'm starting to get a little concerned because you assume that a decent amount of these players are coming back next year, considering they are getting at that free year of eligibility. I know there's some that probably will want to try and move on to the NFL. Um, others may look to the transfer portal to maybe see if a better opportunity presents itself. But again, not every player can go to the NFL and not every player can hit the transfer portal because they might not find a home. So Going forward, you know, Temple, hopefully they expect, I guess, Russo to be at, back next year. So you have essentially then a four-year starter back at quarterback. You have an, a pretty elite group of wide receivers. Hopefully you have your offensive line back. And like, like I said, the defense with being as young it is and as injured as it's been this year, they're building depth at least with these freshmen playing and getting a lot of playing experience. So You'd like to see maybe some of them guys step up into roles next year, maybe beat out some of the older guys. That way we can see what they can do for the next maybe two, three years. And like you said, 2013 was Matt Rule's actually first year at Temple. So that was the last time Temple had a losing record. There was some ugly losses that year. Temple lost to Fordham that year, mm -hmm. uh, which when you hear Fordham, you probably don't think football. <laughs> So, you know, that, that was an ugly year, and people forget that. And people were calling for Matt maybe to be fired that year, and that was only his first year. And now look at Matt. He's head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and yeah. he's, he's turned them into a very competitive football team, and I have no doubt that he's going he's gonna to turn that team around as well. But, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a concern seeing some of the trends. Um, like I said, I hope to see the defense next year maybe have some changes, uh, that they play better. And, I mean, I saw, I saw some fight in the defense again against UCF this past Saturday, and it started to look a little bit like that defense of old in the second quarter. Um, I know they were down big early, but I, th I think it was, the numbers were up until halftime on UCF's at one point in 20 plays. UCF had only compiled 57 yards of offense, and that was going against the number one offense in the nation, a team that averages over 620 yards a game. So that was pretty impressive. Um, I liked seeing that. I hope to see more of that, obviously, moving forward. But you also hope to see some young guys step up, um, especially in the running back room on the offense after uh, Renan Davis's departure a couple weeks back. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, looking into this week's matchup, you know, obviously you have a team that's one and five. You have, you 
You have an ECU squad that's one and six. So obviously, you know, uh, bad seasons all, all the way around. But who stands out to you from, from the ECU side of, of, of the football? Who, who would you say stands out or a couple of players that stand out to you? So obviously I think the guy to watch for ECU is Holton Aylers. You know, he's, he's given Temple fits in the past. And, you know, ECU, they haven't necessarily always been very competitive with Temple. But last year was a year, you know, I thought that maybe ECU could knock them off. And they, they played very competitive up until the very end. And you started sweating that game a little bit if you were a Temple fan towards the end because ECU had some moments where they looked like they were definitely the better team and the tougher team there. And, and I think it starts with Ehlers. You know, he's, he's a dual-threat quarterback. Temple hasn't faced a whole lot of dual threats this year, which worries me, especially with them not being able to tackle very well. Um, so I like to see maybe if ECU can run the ball with Ehlers and mix that in. Um, you know, ECU might be able to some, put up some points against Temple's defense. Uh, I like to see what Ehlers can do. I think he's a very talented player. Um, I know sometimes his numbers aren't great, but, I mean, we've also seen him where he's putting up 300, 400-yard games. Um, so I, I think that he's definitely got to watch. Um, and I, I think Blake Proel is also a very good player for them. You know, a wide receiver with a lot of experience, leads the team with receiving yards this year, um, definitely is a – threat in the passing game um and ecu has just that tradition of putting out really good wide receivers and they've done that for years now so um he's definitely a guy to watch temple's uh secondary is going to be a little banged up again um they're going to probably be up without one of their starting cornerbacks maybe two of their top three so that's definitely going to be a, a matchup to watch as well like i said with some of these younger guys uh getting some playing time for the temple defense kind of Kind of along those lines, I, I wanted to ask you, so you, you gave us a little bit of insight about who you're looking at from an ECU standpoint. Um, what are your thoughts, though, on, on ECU as a program, a, a program that's rebuilding? Um, once again, they're 1-6 this year. That 1-6 record doesn't uh, really tell the whole story, but well, what are your thoughts from, from an outside perspective? You know, so ECU has been a program that I have always – seen as you know I've respected ever since even before I went to Temple you know I loved what Ruffin McNeil had done with the program back in the day uh, they were always a consistent team they were always a bowl team um, they were usually up there competing to be in the top 25 and I, I think that ECU did make a mistake when they had fired him and then brought in Scotty Montgomery um, I know Montgomery is a very good recruiter but I didn't know if he was ready yet to be a, a football coach, a head football coach. So, um, and you could see that just in the way he coached that the team had just not necessarily been as competitive under him as they had been under Ruffin. And obviously that is why they showed him the door. Um, Mike Houston, on the other hand, I believe is more of that return to an old school football coach. Um, I think he's very well respected. I like what he's done with the program. I know the record this year might not say it, but, you know, they have been more competitive, I'd say, over the past two seasons or season and a half than they had been any time under Scotty Montgomery. Um, I think that Mike Houston has a good foundation. Um, I would hope to see them next year. Like I was talking to you before the podcast about, you know, I thought that, 
they were going to be a team this year that might be a team that would be maybe competing, moving up the standings, not sitting still at the bottom. So unfortunately, obviously, I know there were several games that cost you guys with officiating at one point and yeah. game starting a, a true freshman quarterback that was pretty close. Uh, like, like you said, a four point loss to Navy. So obviously if those two games go the other way, you're, you're sitting at three and two in con or three and three in conference, not one and five. And uh, yeah, obviously that record looks a lot better and you have a win over a now top 25 Tulsa team. So um, <laughs> obviously I think that they have the talent, obviously, Mike yep. Houston, I think, is a good recruiter as well. He's going to get them turned around, but again, it's it's going to take some say take some time to kind of right the ship of what happened under Scotty Montgomery, and you know get that fan base back into it, get that get the team back into it, changing that mentality. Yeah, yeah, and and I I, I had a question about um, where Temple plays. You know, obviously Temple plays in Lincoln Financial Field, and that's that's a place that ECU hates going to because they've never won there. Um, but, you know, even, even when Matt Rule was there and they were in the top 25 and they were playing very, very well, they never really had that home field advantage. They were never really able to sell it out. Is there any indication that Temple might be getting their own stadium at some point, or is Lincoln Financial uh, the, the, the place where you guys are going to be at for the, for the near future? So for the near future, definitely it's going to be at the link. Um, unfortunately, I think all, with all the COVID going on, um, they put stadium on the very back burner now. Um, Mm -hmm. Up until I would say last year, there was momentum going moving forward about the stadium. They had released uh, blueprints, even diagrams of what renderings of what the, the stadium was going to look like, where it was going to be located. And, and, you know, it was going to be right off in a broad street in Philly, which is essentially the main street in Philadelphia that runs all the way from North Philly down right. to South Philly at, to the link. Um, so it, it was right on Temple's campus. I think it would have been a, a very good addition. I do understand mm -hmm. the setbacks that people have uh, concerns about, obviously, within the local community of possibly raising prices or housing prices and whatnot. So there obviously are those pros and cons that you have to weigh when considering building the stadium. Um, from what I've heard, the stadium kind of with that conflict within the city and then the city also not wanting to test necessarily build another stadium within the city limits. Uh, they kind of shot down Temple's proposal to build the stadium. So they kind of worked as like a third party in negotiating between the Eagles and the, the Owls um, for the foreseeable future with renting the link. But um, obviously I think a on-campus stadium would be ideal uh, moving forward with whenever they get it. Because it's gonna it's gonna bring in more students. It's gonna bring in more alumni. Because new stadium people are gonna want to come to a new stadium, right? People are gonna and alumni are right. more like or students on campus are more likely to roll out of bed and walk across the street to the stadium than having to get on a bus and go down to the link at ten in the morning. And I, I mean, I know I did it. Um, you know, it, it's I mean, it's fun obviously getting to play in an NFL stadium too because you have that atmosphere. You have that big time feel of, you know, like this is a, this is where I want to be on Sundays, maybe one day, but mm. you know, the fan base just hasn't shown up necessarily over the years for that. And when you're playing in a 69,000 seat stadium and you're only bringing in 25,000 for a game, it looks pretty empty on TV. So must obviously yeah. it would be much better to maybe build like that 30,000 seat stadium on campus that they would like. 
hopefully that happens maybe within the next 10 years once there's more negotiating with the city and more more meetings with the local community and representatives from that area that maybe they can work something out where it's beneficial for all parties gotcha now uh we'll start wrapping this thing up ryan I, we have a we do have a twitter question i'm sure you saw it on, on twitter it's from, it's from our friend john smith um friend of the podcast uh he says with the announcement of the starting temple quarterback being out there'd been a seven point line swing the, does he think that it's uh because there's so little known about the backup could they give us a rundown of what to expect from him on saturday you've already kind of given us a an a rundown of what to expect. Uh, we, we don't really know much about about the kid, um, but can, can you maybe give some insight on why you think the line changed? So when I first saw the line, that I was honestly surprised that Temple was even favored in this game. I mean, I know honest, so you, was I. I was yeah. I was shocked, even though that ECU just was get got smacked by Cincinnati. I mean, everybody's gotten smacked by Cincinnati this year. Yeah. Um, I feel that obviously ECU is the more experienced team or the more healthy team coming into this game. Um, and that's just speaking from a guy that knows how many players have been injured and have been out due to COVID. And we really don't know who's all going to be back this week uh, up until we'll, we'll see them take the field on Saturday because, I mean, you could have guys testing positive on Friday or being in contact tracing Friday so we don't really know um I was shocked that it, it they opened as a favorite um obviously with the news now that Russo is out freshman quarterback getting his first start I would have been jumping all on that line anyway as is um I'm still jumping on that line right now at UCF plus or minus four um I expect that it's just because of that uncertainty of what you're getting with a freshman quarterback. Um, obviously, we know that there are a lot of injuries, a lot of players that are going to miss this game for Temple based on what Rod said yesterday. Um, and at this point, with only one game left in the year and you really don't have anything to play for this year, it's not like you're playing for a conference title. It's not like you're playing for a bowl game really this year, even though you know the whole record thing with bowl games doesn't come into factor this year. It's not like mm -hmm. you're playing for that. Um, you know, with Rod saying that he would have rather had the last three weeks postponed or canceled. I mean, I, I think he knows what he's working with right now, and it's it's a very tight draw for them. So that right now I think they just want to kind of get to the end of the season and not have major injuries at this point or have a team left at the end of the season that they can say, you know, at least we have guys that are finishing the year healthy. So um, I would say that would be the biggest reason behind that swing. Um, I think this game Saturday is going to be – I think it'll be competitive for the most part, but, I mean, I don't think Temple has a shot to win, if, I, if I'm being honest. Um, and that's not a knock to the players on Temple. I just think that the inexperience is, is prevalent right now and that ECU is just the better, healthier team coming into this game. And I think a lot of players would agree that Temple's not the very not the most healthy team in the nation right now. No. Yeah, and so what if you had if you were if you were the uh, line maker in, in Las Vegas, what would you put this line at? If I was the line maker, I'd put it at maybe eight and a half, nine. Um, I, I think ECU has the potential to win this game by maybe like 10, 13 point margin somewhere in that range, but I also could see Temple at least keeping it 
a one-score game. Um, I don't think it's really any closer to that. I don't think it's going to come down to, like, a last-minute field goal or anything. I think, like Artie said at the beginning, you know, that ECU's finally going to get that win at, in Philadelphia um, just because of their experience level and, you know, what, what they've at least shown to me this year, them being more competitive in games than what Temple has. But then again, like I said earlier also, you have a freshman quarterback. Maybe this is a game that Temple lets loose and they're just like, let's go out and just see what he can do. We'll just sling the ball around and maybe this is the game they catch some breaks. But um, they've obviously shown they have the talent level to compete with pretty good teams in the American. They were beating SMU at the half, who was ranked at 18 in the nation the week they played them. Um, like I said, they they had held UCF at one point to 57 yards on 20 plays in that first half. Um, so they, they can compete with these teams to an extent. Um, also, they were, they were beating Memphis in the half, and they were only down, I think, five or four at the end of the third quarter. So, again, top teams in the American, they've competed with, but they just haven't been able to go that full 60 minutes and win. So um, I, I would say that would be my line. Um, but I, I still think ECU comes away with the win on Saturday. Or you got anything else? Nope, nope. That's that's all I have. I, I got nothing else. All right, Ryan. Well, uh, I'll, I'll let you give. I'll I'll give you a second to go ahead and plug where where people can follow you at um, on, on the socials. All right. So you can follow me at Ryan Wallen two four seven. That's R Y A N W A L L E N two four seven on Twitter, and then you can follow the Owls Daily site at Owls Daily two four seven. And then owlsdaily.com is where you can find all our stuff. We'll have some VIP content coming up. We'll have, uh, I believe, an interview with Stephen Igo coming up later that week on the site. We'll have some nice. pre-game, post-game stuff. Podcast. Yep. And yep. Uh, we, will, we will have all your coverage leading up to the game uh, from Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah, so, sounds awesome, cool. man. Um, th- thanks for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, we'll – Maybe we'll have to talk a little bit more come uh, come basketball season. How's that sound? That sounds great. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Right, take care. Thank you. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Once again, that was our, uh, our interview with Ryan Wallen. He, he writes for Owls Daily 24-7 Sports, covering the Temple Owls. Um, Artie, that, what, what was your thoughts after talking to Ryan? Oh my goodness. I mean, we would, we would ask him a question and he just had so much knowledge for every answer. I, I think he went four to five minutes on every single answer. And, yeah. and that was, I, I was not expecting that because I, I obviously, I'm not obviously, but I, I had a little bit more questions, but I was like, okay, I, we only got 30 minutes. I, I can't ask everything I had. I mean, he was just so knowledgeable. He had, he had so much to, to say. I loved the interview. I thought it was a great interview. Um, you can, you can tell he really, loves his Temple Owls. You can also tell he's kind of in the same spot that we are, disappointed, understands the circumstances that have gone on with Temple with the COVID and the injuries. 
but um, he, he's, a, he's a proud Temple alum, and he had a lot to say. Yeah, this, this would have been the perfect week to talk to another Philly sports fan uh, and our friend Joey Pinto. Um, oh, my goodness. We, we, if we could have got Pinto on the show, I, I didn't even think about that. I, I didn't oh either. Uh, talk, talk about uh, how we, – because we, we had a Twitter exchange about who, who's had the uh, worst luck <laughs> yeah. as sports Between fans. Philly, Chicago, and Atlanta. Yeah, it's hands down Atlanta. No, no, How no, so? no, come on, no, and How, let, look, look, the Braves are good, the Bra- right? you, you have a good team to root for in the Braves, all right, the Hawks are on the rise, even though you don't watch basketball, um, the Atlanta Falcons just can't figure themselves out, they got a franchise quarterback, they just can't figure it out, and who else y'all got, you guys don't have a hockey team, so, we used to, they used to, uh, it wouldn't be my team, but they used to. You know, um, Chicago, Chicago likes to, you know, pretend that they're good and then just Chicago, blow it all away when they actually have a chance to prove Ch- something. Chicago literally won a World Series like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. The, the, the Cubs won a World Series for the first time in 108 years. Okay. 108 years. The White Sox won one in 2005. 2005, right. The, the Blackhawks the, the Black had my three. Black Hawks, my Blackhawks were a mini dynasty. They, they had, okay, so here we are. I just read it off. The Blackhawks have three Stanley Cups in hey, the last Jared, 10 Jared, years. Jared, come on, baby. We just talked about business is booming. The Bulls and the Bears are big business in Chicago. When those two teams aren't good, business is not booming. <laughs> it's just, that's just what it is. All, all I'm saying, and then don't the Bulls, don't, didn't they win a championship here? 98. That's the last time they won a championship, okay. Jared. 98. The Braves, la- the Braves, the last time they won a championship is 95. I, I but was, you, but I was, you've been there. I was five you months old. You haven't been back. I was five months old. <laughs> you have two baseball teams, and they both won a World Series since my team won a World Series. Look, I, I will say Joey, I, I have had something to share about. Joey just had the Eagles win in, in 2017, so I don't want to hear nothing about him. And then the – The Sixers the, are good. The Phillies won the, won the uh, World Series in 2008. I don't right. want to hear that shit. The Braves – I've seen the Braves – I haven't even seen the Braves win a World Series. Honestly, the Braves – Hadn't won a playoff series since 2001 up until this year. It'd been 19 years. I don't, don't give me that shit. I know. <laughs> I watched my team blow a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl. Get, don't get up. No, Atlanta sports. Is, no, no, You just saw your Braves blow it in a championship series. The Braves should have gone to the World Series, Jared. The Braves should have gone to the now, World Series. Now, don't get me Falcons wrong. Falcons should have won the Super Bowl, and the Hawks are the Hawks. But, you know, Atlanta's had their chances. That's all I'm saying. They've, they've been there. All, all I'm saying is the Braves went to – the Braves won, I believe, what, 15 straight, 14 straight division titles. I, I honestly I, – I was so lucky that sometimes I forget how many it was. It, it was either 14 or 15. It was four, I they, think it was, it was 14. It, it was 14, yeah. Um. They won 14 divi- straight division titles, won one World Series. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, don't give that's me rough. that shit. That's rough. Atlanta sports fans are – like, think about it. 2012, the, the wild card game against the Cardinals, you have the fucking – excuse my language. I've been told I cuss too much on this podcast. So, um, <laughs> I've told you that on air before. Yeah, sorry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Savannah was like, 
do you ever want to run for political office? I was like, <laughs> you got to stop cussing. That, that ship sailed. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a political future in both of our careers, but that's okay. Um, but anyways, I, yeah, yeah, Atlanta, it's got to be Atlanta, hands down. Look, look, e- either way, it's rough. It's rough. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have our friend Clayton Truder from uh, Down the Drive send us that book and, and really prove it. Stick it to us and show that uh, <laughs> that it is Atlanta sports that yeah. that have uh, had a rough history. But Artie, ECU um, going into Temple this week. Um, let, let's go ahead and break down the offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, ECU's averaging twenty seven point four points per game. Um, that that's not it's not a bad average. That's not a bad average. But when you compare it to they're giving up thirty nine points per game um, on defense, that it's not it's not that great. Um, because I mean, the the American Athletic Conference it's a lot like a Big Ten. It's a lot like the uh, Big Twelve, high scoring, um, very high scoring. On a lot of times, you're going to see over unders in the sixties, in the seventies. You're going to have forty to thirty games. You're going to have fifty to twenty games. It, it's gonna it's gonna be a high a high octane offense. Um, EC's got to get it done. Um. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I'll say, the one thing to look out for for ECU, um, hold nailers. The last two times, uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick, and we'll, we'll get to the press conferences here in a little bit. Donnie Kirkpatrick, he talked about how hold nailers has had two bad games. It was the Georgia State game, and then it was also the Cincinnati game last week. Well, after the after the Georgia State game, Ailers bounced back against USF. And he had a phenomenal game. Phenomenal game. I'm looking for the same thing this week. Ehlers has to bounce back after last week's lackluster performance. He, and we need yeah. an offensive explosion to gain confidence before before we go in and, and play SMU um, right, after, right after Thanksgiving. So, to me, I mean, I think ECU has, ECU has the ballers um, on, on offense. Now, I know that uh, – I know that they've kind of been up and down, but I, I like our chances to to finally get a, a full um, balanced attack going this week. What say you? You know, for me, and I, I'm going to break it down in, in three phases. You know, I'm going I'm to start with the quarterback. You know, Hol- Holden Ehlers has had an up and down season all season long. I know he had a setback with the COVID. He was out a week, um, and he, he really couldn't practice, you know, the way he needed to, and that kind of set him back a little bit. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he, this, this is year three. And so Houghton, you know, we absolutely need him to play well weekend and week out. It can't just be, you know, that, that performance he had at Tulsa, I thought that was a revelation. I was like, okay, this is what we're going to see from Houghton. You know, maybe not the same kind of game with the, with the three eighty passing yards and the three touchdowns and almost having, you know, single digit incompletions. But I figured, okay, this is kind of a revelation. He's going to get the ball rolling, and it, it kind of dipped from there. And he's been up, he's been down, he's been up, he's been down. For Holton, it's about consistency. He has the talent. We know it's there. We see it. And I think with ECU fans, they get so frustrated because he'll have a great game against a, a Tulsa team that's now ranked in the top 25 where they shouldn't be. But that's that's a story for another day. Um, and then he'll come back the next week and he'll have a he'll have a he'll have a bad game. He'll have a down game. So I think that's where the frustrating frustration is getting to with, with ECU fans, but he has the talent. It's all there right in front of him. I know he can come out and deliver the way we need him to, to deliver. 
from the run game perspective, what a revelation we've had in the running game. I had no idea that we were going to have Rajay Harris and Keaton Mitchell come out and play the way they played. They have been nothing short of phenomenal. They have been really the huge bright spot in a team that's had a lot of uncertainty, a lot of downfall, you know, a lot of bad things, a lot of bad takes go their way. Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris Shout out to them. They're superstars. They're studs. They are guys that are going to lead us, you know, a long way if we can get right. With the receiving, it's the same with Houghton. It's kind of been up and down. You know, Blake Pearl had his standout game. Tyler Sneeds had a standout game. Yeah. C.J. Johnson really hasn't gotten it going the way we'd like him to get. He had, I don't know if he's had a 100-yard receiving game yet this year. Oh, yeah, but, he um, has. Yeah, he has. Has uh, he? Okay, okay, okay. He, I believe he had seven receptions. For over 100 yards uh, against Tulsa, that that he had a he had a hell of a game against Tulsa that that night. Tulsa, that's that's right. That that night against Tulsa, but but still, the the we we have three studs. It's not like we have three good players. We have three studs, in my opinion, at the receiving position, and we should really be able to dominate at that position. So, from an offensive standpoint, for me, I, and and I know our O line is what it is. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash those guys. I'm not gonna get on those guys. Jared is laughing. I don't know what the hell he's laughing at, but. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you gonna, why are you gonna do that to me in the middle middle of us recording man keep on going any, man any anyway um th- this this weekend is a great opportunity for our offense to actually blow a team i'm talking about put up 40 45 50 points because i think we can actually do it and i know we can get to that level so as as jared is still laughing at my baby face he he he, he did some sort of filter I, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna post something on, on our story on on Instagram, and I just accidentally. Yo, post I, that, post it. I, I already deleted it. Ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I agree with you. Um, this has to be the week that that we get it going. My whole thing is you got to build confidence. Um, I think that this is the week to do it. Now the the one thing is, the offensive line took another hit last week. Uh, Nashad oh, Nashad Strother. Uh, going yep. down out for the season, um, it, it's gonna be. It, it's man, it's just it's twenty twenty. It, and 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 also, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just I want people to understand the reason why Houghton has looked the way he has looked at times is because he does not have more than two seconds to get rid of the ball. He has one Mississippi. Okay, there's there's a defender in my face. Do you know how hard it is? That's not even backyard rules, man. Yeah, like, do you know how hard it is to be to be good at the quarterback position when you say one Mississippi, you can't even get to two Mississippi, and you've got a defender in your face? There's no way you can be excellent at the quarterback position every single week and have that happen. So we have to shore up that offensive line. I know I sound like a broken record saying that, but it's, it just has to happen. It has to happen by next year, to be honest with you. And, um, and help is coming. You got, it you is. Got, you got help is coming. I mean, you got Trent Holler. I mean, he, he's going to be a stud. Um, he, he's got some time to grow. I, I believe he'll be a junior next year. Peyton Winstead, he's been hurt all year. Um, he, he's one of those guys, I, I believe he went to Leesville Road uh, out of Raleigh. Dude, dude's another stud. Um, he, he's really good friends with Holden. Um, just he, I, I don't even know what the injury is. I, I believe it's a shoulder, um, but that, that's, that's all I know. Um, but there, there's help coming. And there's a lot of guys just banged up on that offensive line so much so. And, I mean, 
I mean, I, I love I love the intensity that like a guy like Bailey Malovic, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm calling him out every single week. He's just he doesn't have the size to play the O line. Yeah, I mean, dude is dude's like six three, two hundred fifty pounds. Like playing the offensive line, you, you, that that's not an offensive lineman in, in a power six conference. And 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 we touched on this last week. We don't need superior athletes on the O line. We need big strong country boys that are hungry, that are some dogs, that want to hit people. They they literally wake up and it's like, okay, I want to hit somebody. I Bang want heads. to go hit somebody. That's what we need. Yeah, I, I agree. Um but Artie, ECU uh the 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 offense hopefully it's clicking, but uh Temple's offense, I don't know what they they're you want to talk about piecemeal. Oh, goodness. Uh, they're on their four-string quarterback. Um, they're averaging 22.7 points per game. Their, their quarterback this week, uh, he, he had a couple of snaps last last week against UCF. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a freshman, true freshman quarterback out of South Carolina. His name is Matt Duncan. Um, other than that, I – We yeah, know nothing about the kid. The, I know that we recruited him for some time or um, – Coach Houston said that they recruited his brother. His brother, I believe, played at Eastern Kentucky. Um, we, we talked. We talked about that in the interview. But yeah, um, nobody to me looking at looking at this roster, and this is probably a naive thing for me to say, but nobody to me stands out on, on the offensive front for Temple. Usually, you have Temple's one of those teams that usually has several guys that are studs on both sides of the ball. And I, I couldn't tell you really any, any of these guys. Now, Blue, the wide receiver, Blue, uh, he, I believe he's their leading receiver. Um, he, he's, I believe he has like, uh, here, I've got, I finally got the, my phone's finally starting to work. Um, let's see here. He's got, if I can pull it up, we don't, we don't do much uh, research here on, on the Boneyard podcast. No, I, I do my own research. Hold on now. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, man, I looked at all this stuff. He, he's he got like, I want to say 40 receptions, um, just under 400 yards receiving, maybe more. I don't know. My phone's not, my phone's not pulling it up. Can you, can you look up blue for me? The receiver here, blue? Yeah, here it is. 41 receptions, 371 yards, and five touchdowns. Look at that, Artie. Look at that. I, I just said he's got 40 receptions and just under 400 yards. There you go. Well, Talk- I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. 371 receiving yards through six games ain't that impressive. That's their leading receiver. So, But, but look, I, I, I will say this, and, and here's the thing. For as much as we say that ECU's had a bad year, we've had bad breaks, we've had this, that, and the third, Temple's going to come right along and say, oh, cry me a river, ECU. <laughs> we've had 15 true freshmen have to start for us. We're on our fourth starting quarterback. We've had all these injuries. We've had all these COVID protocol, co- protocols, people going in and out. Temple is a team that is reeling right now. And for us as, as, as East Carolina, Temple's problems are not our problems. When there's blood in the water, you got to go attack. And, and so this is a, you know, I don't think this is a trap game. We know exactly what we're facing. We know exactly what we're going up against. We have a team that is on their heels and we got to push them over the cliff. That sounds really mean and it sounds really angry, 
but it is what it is. We got to push them all the way over the cliff because that we have to be the ones to get back on track. All right. We can't sit here and feel sorry for Temple. It is what it is. And, and, I, and I'm sorry they're going through the bad bricks that they're going through. We're sitting at one to six. I'm not and, sorry. And this is, this is a game that we have to have because, you know, and I think, I think the quarterback's name is Matt Duncan. I, I, th- I think you might've said that. Yeah. Um, like, like I said, riddled with injury, riddled with uh, COVID problems. And so for us, it's about coming out and executing. I said last week in the post game, it's going to be about how we finish. We have two guaranteed games left against Temple and SMU. We know SMU is ranked. I've, I've said it before. I don't think SMU is losing another game this year, although I would love for us to pull off the upset at home next weekend. Um, I don't see it happening, but I do want us to be able to finish. We can tuck our tails and feel sorry for ourselves and feel sorry for our record and feel sorry for the bad breaks that we've gotten, or we can come out and actually assert our dominance against Temple, get some momentum going into SMU, and play a legit game at home against a ranked opponent. Yeah. Um, but, Artie, let, let's go ahead and flip it to the defense. Um, like I said, uh, Temple, I mean, they have they have a freshman quarterback starting this week. Um, ECU, what ECU needs to do, in, in my opinion, they need to bring the pressure. You want to talk about getting somebody rattled? If ECU can sack the quarterback in, in the first drive, I think ECU will set the tone for the whole game. I mean – if I'm East, if I'm ECU, I'm deferring. If you if you win the toss, and I'm I'm bringing the dogs. I, I mean, you make that quarterback make plays. He he's never started a game. You you make him, you make him make plays. Right? You make him beat you. Yes. It's gonna be him that beats you. Nobody else. It's gonna be him, a freshman quarterback. If it, if I'm if I'm friend of the podcast, Blake Harrell, I'm bringing five guys almost every play, at least in the first half. I'm I'm bringing the heat every down, just trying trying to hit the quarterback, trying to bring him down, and I, that that's what ECU's got to do. And if they do that, they'll be able to force turnovers and control control the clock and win this ball game. It, it's all about bringing that pressure on that defensive line. I believe we can do it. I believe that we can we can kind of match up well with uh with the offensive line, and I really like what Blake Harrell's done this year. Um, not just because he's a friend of the podcast, but because you can see the movement on, on that defensive line. They, they they confuse a lot of quarterbacks. They confuse a lot of offensive lines. They they bring different looks. I, I gotta think ECU ECU wins up front on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I know our defense has given up a lot of points this year, and that's, that's frustrating. I'm a, I'm a defensive guy anyway. I, I, I love when we have good defenses. I just, I just love seeing a, a team be able to shut out somebody and, and really frustrate a quarterback. But from what I've seen from our defense this year is that we play hard. There's, there hasn't been a game where we have not come out and at least played hard. You can say on the offensive side of the ball, it's been, a little, it's been a little suspect at times. Our defense has played hard. They've given up a lot of points, but they've played hard. Um, and we've just gotten beat by better opponents, better, better players, better athletes. It is what it is. But when you say bring the pressure, this is a freshman quarterback who is a fourth string quarterback. You have to make, you cannot let him get comfortable handing the ball off and saying, okay, I'm just going to put it in the game with my running backs. I'm just going to do a little, little quick screen pass, a little quick dump, dump pass here and just let my playmakers make plays for me. No, 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 no. The quarterback has to be the one that – if anybody's going to beat us, it has to be Matt Duncan. 
and we have to be able to put or apply pressure on him every single play. I want to see him on his butt at least 10 to 15 times in this game. I, I want to see us get angry. I want to see us come after the gang tackle. I, I want him to literally go to the, to the sideline and be like, I don't know if I want to play football anymore. They are frustrating the hell out of me. They are blitzing on almost every single play. They are, they're, they're bringing packages that are really confusing me. I'm not, you know, the run game is not existent. I, I think if we can, uh, you know, keep them to 50 to 75 yards rushing, that's a win. And so for me, I, I couldn't agree with you more. We got to bring the pressure on a freshman quarterback like Matt Duncan, who does not have a lot of game experience playing D1 football. And if we can get to him early and often, this is going to be an ugly day for Temple football. Yeah. If, like I said, if ECU can get to the quarterback early in the game, they got, there's nobody else. Who are you going to yeah. put in there? Who are you going to put in there? There's nobody. And, and Matt Duncan came up from the practice squad last week. And he was a practice squad kid that came up. And so now they've, they've, they've probably got a receiver on running back. <laughs> exactly. Back so it, exactly. It, they are in dire straits. And we absolutely have to, have to make them feel it come Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and I know Temple's banged up on defense too, like, like we talked about in, in the interview. Temple last week only had 65 scholarship guys playing. Um, and then they had, I believe it was 15 guys that weren't scholarship guys that, that traveled down to, down to Orlando. Um, but the guy I'm looking out for on, on Temple's defense, he leads the team in sacks with four sacks. I, I, don't, I hope I don't pronounce his name wrong. Arnold Ebiquete. Oh, Ebiquete. you definitely you butchered that. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> you butchered you, it. How do, how do you say it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to try. Arnold E. I tried. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm sure the kid's a nice kid, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I just hope he has a terrible night or a terrible <laughs> day on Saturday. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say something else. You didn't say nothing. No, absolutely. No, I, I, this, is, this is the problem with when we do it over zoom and we've been doing it over zoom since i started my new job but this is this is just kind of one of those things where where it's tough to do it but yeah i mean i there's nobody that stands out to me on defense for for temple temple has been known in the past as it as a defensive minded team as a team that's strong on defense this year i don't see that i I know that uh in the press conferences that we're about to play um Mm -hmm. I, i know some of the reporters we're asking some of the coaches about Temple's defense, but I don't know if they're watching the same film I'm watching because nothing surprises me or nothing really stands out to me about Temple and their and their defensive package. You know, look, for for the first time all season, we have a it's it's a game is being served to us on a silver platter. Yeah. We have not had that all season. We we've had a very up and down season. For the first time, it's like, okay, here you go, ECU. This is this is your opponent. This is what they've been dealing with. This is what you have. Are you going to come out? Are you going to actually show what you have? We, we've seen the talent at times. We've seen this team be able to go on the road and be able to put up good points. This game is being served on a silver platter. And we're going to get into the ramifications of if we have a dud, which I don't think we're going to do. But if we have a dud, just how bad that speaks to maybe the locker room culture that might be going on that we're not seeing in the locker room. Because by all accounts, this game should not be close. 
We should be able to win this game fairly handedly. Um, and, and we should be, you know, playing the fight song in the third quarter. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see there being any um, issue with culture. Not under, not under Mike Houston. Um, and we, you and I have talked to some of these kids. But see, culture, culture goes both ways. The players got to buy in, too. The, you can have a phenomenal coach, but the players got to buy in, too. But, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Uh, I know that, I mean, we've talked to some of these kids, some of the kids that are playing, some of the kids that are on the bench, and they've all said, we believe in our, we believe in our guys. We believe in what, what we believe in the process going on here. Yeah. And, and I, I gotta believe it, man. I, I, yeah. I've been talking, you know? I've been, I've been talking to, to some of these recruits and some of these guys since we were in school. I mean, I, I've been, uh, working some of those angles for a long time. And I remember when, when Scotty Montgomery, that first year, you were kind of like, okay, yeah, we're kind of buying in, but, but it's, we don't really know how to feel. And then there were some guys that would, were telling me later on about halfway through the second year, they were like, this ain't working. Mm-hmm. This, this is not working. And I mean, that's a, I mean, that's just part of it. I, I think that we, I think we've got a pretty good culture going on now, but, um, let, let's go ahead and send it over to the press conferences already. We got um, Coach Houston's Tuesday press conference, the press conference from coaches Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harrell, the offensive and defensive coordinator. And then we've got uh, Coach Houston's Thursday press conference coming up for you right now. Um, so so let's go ahead and send it over to them. Let, it's about 30 to 40 minutes of what they have to say. Let them break down Temple from, from their own minds. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, excited for the start of another big week. Um, got a big, big ball game this Saturday uh, in Philadelphia uh, against a very solid Temple football team. And, uh, you know, looking at the film, and I know they've had ups and downs this year. Um, you know, really impressed with, uh, you know, the play of the guys that they have returning, uh, especially the same roster that we faced last year. I know they've had some adjustments there at the, uh, at the quarterback position uh, and, and then some new faces in the running back room. Uh, but, the, you know, the defensive line, uh, stand-up players on both sides, uh, offensive linemen, a lot of the same guys we played against last year. Uh, very solid group. So um, expecting a, uh, you know, big test. This weekend, you know, the big focus for us is uh, continue to improve, uh, continue to uh, develop uh, throughout the year, and that's a daily a daily thing. And it's our focus today is to to work very hard at getting better today. Uh, execution of the game plan, uh, continue progressing towards game day. Coach, what do you feel like this team has gotten better over the last few weeks, and and what's the big focus of things that you kind of can correct that are correctable coming into this week's game with Temple? Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's, you know, throughout this season, uh, we've continued to improve in many areas. Um, you know, continue to be, uh, you know, pleased with uh, the play of our offensive line in the run game, uh, the play of our backs there. Uh, continue to be pleased with uh, our defensive front uh, and, you know, inside linebacker group. Um, you know, things we've got to do better. Uh, I think we've got to do a better job this week taking care of the football than we did last week. You know, turnovers hurt us last week. Um, I think we've got to continue to uh, improve at the skill positions on both sides of the football. 
Um, and I think that, uh, you know, we got to continue to push to try to, uh, you know, win the special teams phase. I think that's going to be a critical, um, a critical part of the game this Saturday. Coach, it looks like you guys will have to move some guys around at safety uh, with Sava potentially being out and some, losing some guys the last few weeks. Just talk about that position and uh, kind of working some new guys in there and also counting on, you know, Juwan coming back and everything. Well, I just think, you know, this time of the year, uh, it's, you know, both sides of the ball and, and special teams as well. You know, you're going to have some bumps and bruises. Uh, you have your normal challenges. Uh, that you have each and every year with, you know, having some guys, you know, in and out of the lineup late in the season. Uh, you got the added, uh, you know, factor of, of COVID protocols and, uh, you know, have some guys, you know, missing from time to time with that. Um, it just kind of fits in with what 2020 has been. You know, you're going to have to, you, you, you've had to be fluid throughout the year. Uh, you're going to have guys playing, uh, you know, in different spots, uh, but it's not, it's still within the same scheme. Uh, and there is some carryover. Uh, you know, I, I think we do have some some solid guys at other positions that can help us out uh, at some spots we're short on. And uh, and you know, you know, talking about Juwan, you know, it's it's been great to have him back the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's certainly uh, I, I don't think he's you know quite 100 percent, but he's just doing a great job of of taking care of his body. He's doing a great job of mentally being there. Uh, every snap and then maximizing the snaps that he's getting. Coach, you had a short week last week, but maybe the back end of that is, you know, you played Friday and then Temple played Saturday night. Just wondering, how did you handle Temple's game Saturday night? Did you just kind of personally watch the, the live TV broadcast or did y'all kind of break it down either Saturday night or the next day? How did you handle maybe that getting that extra day for this week? So I think the big thing was, you know, especially getting back, uh, you know, five something a.m. Saturday morning, uh, it was making sure everybody got a little bit of rest, you know, first thing Saturday. Uh, we did watch the game Saturday night and then came back in the office, you know, early Sunday morning and spent, you know, Sunday morning breaking down the Temple UCF game from the night before. Um, you know, I think the advantage for our players is, you know, they got Saturday and Monday kind of a, a rest day. Uh, we had a light practice on Sunday, so we should have our legs back underneath us for practice today. Uh, and that's the biggest concern for me right now at this point in the season is making sure that we're, um, you were know, fresh uh, and that we're ready to go, uh, you know, at the beginning of each week. Coach, you know, watching Temple, it seems like their defensive front is just as good as ever. I guess how much of a concern is that uh, with your O-line kind of banged up right now? Well, I mean, I think it's a concern. It was a concern last year, and it's basically the same guys. You know, had <clears throat> one guy leave, but, you know, Archibong, you know, is just an enormous kid and uh, was a great player for him last year and, and certainly remembered him. And so I was disappointed to see him, uh, you know, on the film again when we started seeing him this year. But, you know, great player. I expect him to see him playing on Sundays here in the very near future. You know, I think uh, number nine, who was number 88 last year, I don't want to butcher his name, uh, but, uh, you know, is a great player again this year. 17 is having another great year. Uh, and then they have the grad transfer, number 12, at the other defensive end from Wake. Um, you know, they're, they're a formidable front four. You know, there's not a weakness there. And so uh, we've got to do a great job of, you know, number one, you know, being fundamental, whether it's run game or pass game and everything that we're doing. We're going to have to play at a high level. Uh, we're going to have to execute at a high level. And then we're going to have to do some different things scheme-wise 
uh, you know, to try to combat those guys uh, and, you know, give ourselves better opportunities. <clears throat> Temple has had COVID issues, obviously. I think their coach came out yesterday and said he, he maybe wouldn't have liked to play the, the last few games because of that. I mean, how do y'all handle that? I'm assuming you just have to progress and you're hoping that, that you actually get to play Saturday. Is there any concern or doubt that, that maybe the game might be in that window to get called off or anything? You know, the thing, you know, we're all battling stuff this year. You know, we're all battling COVID issues and we're all battling, uh, you know, injuries and things of that nature at this point in the season. I know that, you know, a few games back against Tulane, you could tell that they had a depleted group. Um, the last couple of games out, though, they've had their guys. Uh, and I'm sure he's he is more sensitive of it than, than I am because he's thinking about depth guys, special teams guys. You know, I just look up and I see those players that he has at the skill positions on offense. I look up and see the lineman that he has out there. I see that defense. You know, I see those running backs and how they play. Um, you know, and and you know, it's it's a very talented group that we're watching on film from last week's game and from the week before. So, um, and none of us none of us have. You know, we have not had our full roster for a single game this year. You know, we've had multiple players out every single week, and it as part of 2020. And I know he's frustrated. I'm frustrated. We're all frustrated. Uh, but at least we're getting to play. And, uh, you know, we're, we're intent on, uh, on playing the game Saturday in Philadelphia. Are there any other questions for Coach? Yeah, hi, Mike. Um, I cover uh, Temple uh, for Al Staley. Um, curious about your preparation for a freshman quarterback who, you know, there's, there's a handful of plays that you say, right, you guys, I guess, are getting whatever information you can. Do you have staff who... I even would go back and look at high school tape or do you have familiarity because he was from not too far down the road? Yeah, I mean, we, we recruited his brother uh, when I was at James Madison. So, you know, I'm familiar with, at least with his family. I uh, know the high school very well. Um, you know, we have his film from high school. We've taken a good look at that and then we've taken, you know, a look at every snap he's played this year. You know, certainly talented player coming out of high school, um, you know, runs well, uh, lefty, strong arm. Uh, you know, very accurate. I thought he had, he had really good film coming out of high school. You know, I thought, uh, you know, in the latter part of the game against UCF, I thought he shot, showed some athleticism with some of the runs that he had. Um, I know that they were, you know, probably trying to be pretty conservative with their play calling there. But, you know, with a week under, his, under their belt uh, to develop a game plan for him, I'm sure that they'll have a package that he can run, you know, at a very high level. And, you know, we've had that experience earlier this year when, you know, we started a true freshman against Navy. So, you know, I can relate to what they're going through right now. But, uh, you know, like I said before, he's got such a strong surrounding cast. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a challenge for us. We're going to have to do a great job Saturday. I'm sure that they'll have him prepared to play at a high level. Is it a stretch? I mean, physically, I think a little bit similar to Holton. Maybe an inch or two shorter, but yeah, a, a, a little bit, A little bit shorter, but, uh, you know, runs well. Um, throws Throws the ball with a lot of zip. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, I'm more familiar with Holton because, you know, I see him every day. But uh, I think that you're talking about a, you know, dual threat guy that's a good athlete that uh, can throw the football. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, are there any other questions for Coach Houston? Yeah, I wanted to get a question in for, for Coach uh, J.B. Ricks from uh, Spectrum News 1. Uh, Coach, you said a few weeks ago, I believe it was after the Tulsa loss, where, um, you know, you, you guys kind of got robbed out of that one or whatever, and, you know, you had been preaching to your team to keep working hard, and, you know, the results would come. And 
you know, you said something along the lines that they were looking sideways at you at that point. Um, I, I wanted to know, I wanted to see if you could give us a pulse of your team right now, a few weeks later, where we're at now after a few more losses. How are they responding to you now? What is the pulse of your team as you go into the fourth quarter stretch of your schedule? I think very positive attitude. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, a credit of the culture that the players have helped us create within that locker room. Um, and, you know, my, my speaking to them looking at me sideways is, you know, everybody saw the last drive of the Tulsa game. We all know what happened. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's supposed to be the reward for, you know, doing things right is you, you come away with a huge win against a top 25 team. Um, you know, that we had it taken away from us, you know, in the locker room. And so that's, a, that's far in the past, you know, nothing we can do about that now. Um, you know, we faced, you know, two pretty challenging opponents the last two weeks. I thought we did some good things uh, Friday night against Cincinnati. But, the, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, we made too many mistakes and they took advantage of them and we weren't able to come away with the, with the win. So, um, you know, like anything else, when you're in the, in, the, in the middle of what we're in the middle of, you move on to the next game and you focus on, you know, doing things right today. You know, you get up today, you, you eat breakfast, uh, you know, you got final exams right now. So we got guys taking care of academic responsibilities, um, you know, taking care of our bodies in the training room. Uh, we're getting ready to team meet, focus team meeting, go out, practice at a high level, uh, you know, execute, be coachable, uh, compete to be the best, uh, you know, post-practice, get treatment, watch film, get a good, you know, good solid dinner, um, you know, take care of your academic responsibilities, get a good night's sleep. And that's our focus every single day is, that championship lifestyle, uh, because doing things right consistently over time, this team is going to continue to develop tremendously. Uh, you know, you're talking about a very, very young team that has a tremendously high ceiling. So, you know, you just focus on development and every single day trying to be the best that you can be. And, you know, that process over time is what creates that solid football team, like the one we just played last Friday night. You know, like the one that Temple has had year in and year out, you know, over the past, you know, eight, 10 years. So, so just to follow up on that, you, you have no concerns about your team giving up on the season, regardless of what your record is and knowing that you guys can get something positive out of the, out of this for the, for the, for the final three games of the season. I mean, I thought we competed very well the other night, Friday night. I thought we played hard. You know, we were playing with physicality, uh, you know, we made mistakes. We got we got beat, um, but the the kids continue to compete at a high level. They continue to have a positive attitude. As soon as we finish this call, I'm gonna walk into our to our meeting space, our very large meeting space, not our our team room anymore because of COVID 20, you know, COVID 19 in the year 2020. And it's uh, you know the job that they have done, just handling everything throughout this year is. You know, very impressive to me. Uh, is it easy? No, uh, but it's it is it is what we it's the hand we've been dealt, uh, and our players continue to have positive attitudes and work hard every day. Thank you, Coach. Thanks. Having said that, uh, what would be the, the the positive of going ahead and getting a win? What would it do for your ball club coming into uh, the last game of the season after this one? Well, I mean, I think both of us, us and Temple, both. You know, you're sitting here where you know, you've had so much adversity and, you know, you, you keep competing every single day. I think both clubs going to this game Saturday, both of us, you know, are going to compete at a very high level. 
both teams are going to play very hard. One of us is going to come out with a big win, and that's going to, you know, be something to be celebrated in that locker room and, and just kind of, you know, put a boost of energy back into, you know, the players on that, uh, on that roster, whichever one of us come away with it. Coach, thank you for your time this morning. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay. Good week. Thank you, Coach. How have you handled the, the film and preparation side of that, um, you know, these last few days? Well, first of all, Ronnie, I appreciate you changing it up, not letting Steven ask a question first. I think that's probably been the uh, the bad luck there. We're going to change it up and, and get back on, on track this week. So I appreciate you jumping on board and asking the question first. But, yeah, so you kind of had a little bit of, uh, you know, a carousel there, quarterback, unfortunately for them, and, and their their shoes, I guess. Uh, started the season off with Russo, uh, went to uh, number 11, Trad Didi. Beatty, and, uh, and then last week Mitchell started the game. So you've had three different quarterbacks starting. Um, supposedly all three of those are guys are out, and they're looking to Matt Duncan, the freshman from South Carolina. Uh, you kind of analyze him and, and the limited number of snaps he takes is taken uh, this season. You go back and watch high school film, uh, analyze his strengths and weaknesses, and then kind of who does he compare to that's, that's played, you know, in the recent ball games for him? Is he more like Mitchell? Is he more like Russo? Uh, that sort of thing, kind of find, you know, plays that they may kind of cater to him and, and for his strengths and his abilities. Um, and then just, you know, you always keep it the possibility that maybe one of those guys some somehow, some way shows up on Saturday. So you always keep it in the back pocket that one of those guys might show up. So we certainly prepare our kids for all of them. But our main focus has been on Matt Duncan and just kind of what we think, uh, where they'll go with the offense. And at the end of the day, and I think their, their head coach even said in their press conference the other day, they want to run the football, stop the run, play good on special teams. So uh, their, their main goal is run the football and control the game, and we got to take them out of that so we can put a freshman quarterback in some situations where he's not comfortable. Coach, it seems like from the second half of the Tulsa game on, the, maybe y'all have had a little trouble stopping the run. Have you seen something schematically there? Is it more just personnel or alignment, that sort of stuff? No, you know, last week we, we did a great job stopping the run with the, with the tailback. I think he had 13 carries for 54 yards. Uh, the other tailback has about 50 yards. Uh, the, the quarterback gets out on a few scrambles on us, and we, we've actually got him accounted for just do a poor job of tackling him. And, and uh, that was something you've seen him in every ball game. kind of he makes people look silly, and Ritter's a good quarterback and a good football team. Uh, and then obviously the last run kind of put him over the top. So if we took Ritter and – and the, the last run away, I think we did a pretty decent job of stopping the run at times last week. Uh, obviously, we can always be better, and, and that's kind of got to be our focus each and every week that we kind of just, hey, do what we do, get back to the first half of Tulsa, being fundamentally sound, you know, and, and doing a good job tackling. I think some of the Tulsa game in the second half, if you go back to that game, was bigger backs in the second half, just kind of wore us down a little bit. And we got to do a better job of tackling and getting those guys on the ground and putting them in second long, uh, third and long situations. Can you talk about just uh, obviously safety this week? You guys are having to move a little bit of people around. Um, j just the challenges of that and late season, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've lost a few guys back there, injuries and whatnot. And uh, Warren Saber was a big part of our defense. And, and going to miss him and, and just moving some guys around that's, that's been with us all year and um, maybe uh, moving a guy out to Sam or moving a guy from corner to safety just to make sure we have enough depth, enough bodies, one uh, to go practice and be effective throughout the practice. And, uh, you know, just always want to have good depth in case something goes ready, you know, 
goes a certain way in a ball game. Um, early, where we practice early in camp, we had, you know, two different fields going, guys getting reps early on. So we've had guys that know the system, know the defense, know the calls. It's just maybe at a, at a new spot and they're learning little tweaks and ins and outs of that spot. So I um, feel very comfortable with it. Jawan Powell's, you know, doing a great job back there. David Laney's doing a great job. Demel Hickman uh, is, is taking some safety reps and, and kind of looks, you know, really natural and comfortable over there. Um, Tegan Wilkes, obviously, you know, been playing some some Sam and, and balking back and forth to the safety all season. And then, um, you know, one of the freshmen we moved out to Sam was Taylor Jackson, who had played inside backer. But when you're a wheel backer and you invert, it's not a whole lot different than playing Sam. So there's some carry over there, and we feel good about it, especially when they're in their 11 and 12 personnel looks. Coach, uh, could you talk about the Temple receivers? That's obviously the, st the strength of their team, what you see out of that. Yeah, so – uh, you know, just going, kind of going back through and look at their receivers, they're, they're Temple tough, and I think uh, it's been going on for years is their top, their top players, their toughest players are in single digits. And you look at three of their receivers, uh, zero with, with Jones, uh, five with Blue, and one with Mack are all three in single digits. So that tells you a little bit about that receiving core. Um, Blue was 18 last year and, and very dangerous last year and very dangerous this year. A lot of the jet sweeps coming across the field. Um, they like to get the ball in his hands. And he's, he's their top leading receiver. A lot of those are the jet sweeps. Zero, um, Jones, he took one to the house, I think, first play of the SMU game, you know, for about 70 yards, just a little bubble screen, made somebody miss and had the speed to get up and down the sideline. So those two guys can, can get up and down the field on you. Very good speed, good route runners, complete package out there, receiver. And, and then number one, uh, he's kind of their uh, double pass guy. But he can go up big, big body, 6'5", 220, 225. They can go up and get in the ball that, you know, I, I think they'll try to take advantage of our smaller corners out there. But he's a bigger body that, you know, they'll use certainly in the red zone as well and on third down. I was going to ask about Juwan Powell. It seems like when he's played even last year and this year, he gets a lot of tackles. Defending the run might be one of his strengths compared to, you know, maybe pass coverage. Does, does that fit into this game and this style? Obviously, could he be an asset? you know, getting tackles and you know, stopping the run? Yeah, Juwan's a good tackler. I mean, you, you look at him, he looks, you know, uh, maybe not like the biggest, thickest thickest safety you've seen, but he does a nice job coming down the hill, that downhill and getting guys on the ground, tackling ball carriers. And any time that he's, uh, you know, we don't have two removed to the field, you can see him in the box and coming downhill and, and fitting the run more and those type of things. And we got some, you know, things designed for him for the safety to drop down in the box or safety pressure every now and then where you can see him, you know, fitting up with the run as well. So he's done a nice job with that. Coach, obviously you'll have a couple games left and still a lot to play for. But when you look back at this season and kind of everything you've been able to learn with so many young players, uh, how valuable do you think this season of experience and getting the chance to play will be for your defense? You know, like, like you said, we, we kind of – you don't want to kind of look at the season as a whole. You kind of just want to focus on the Temple getting a win this week and, and then obviously the one after that. But you're looking back and just saying, hey, we got this guy for four more years or this guy for three more years and all that. And they're getting tons of game experience where in a normal year, you might have only played those guys, um, a Jason Romero or Kareem Stinson or a Taylor Jackson in four ball games, and then just put them on the shelf for the rest of the season because you were trying to preserve a red shirt season. Now it doesn't matter if they play five snaps a game or 50 snaps a game, you know, it's not counting against their eligibility. So that's, that's kind of nice and looking at it and, and, 
And um, I think I said maybe this last week, they're going to have these experiences to fall back on, good or bad experiences to fall back on for seasons to come. You can always refer back to, hey, Xavier Smith, remember at, um, you know, Tulsa when we had this happen or this happen and how you fit that up and, you know, the positive experience or, the, you know, so you can make corrections off of past experiences with um, some carry over there. So look forward to that. You know, you know that's more of an off-season thing. Um, but right now, you, you really focus on Temple moving forward with them. Are there any other questions for Coach Harrell? Okay, Coach, thank you for your time. All right, guys, appreciate it. Hey, hey, DK, how are you, sir? I'm okay, how are you? Doing well. We're just going to go right into questions for Coach Kirkpatrick. All right. Coach, uh, just when you look at Temple on film, it seems like their defensive front is always really good and big, and this year is the same. Just how much of a concern is that, especially being kind of banged up on the O-line? It's a huge concern. Uh, three starters back from, from last year's team, uh, transfer from Wake Forest, an older kid. So very experienced, uh, very good defensive line, really just like last year. The, the, one, the one young man did transfer to Miami. He's tearing it up down there too. So I, we're lucky he's, he's not there. But then the other guys are just so good. They're so good inside, big, heavy guys, quick. And so uh, I don't care what line you had, you'd be concerned about this defensive line. Uh, they've, they've had some injuries. They've had some guys out past. I don't, I don't know what the situation is this week, but I think all the defensive line are back. And so uh, we have been banged up. And, uh, you know, that's just football, though. You know, that, that's just nothing you can do about that. And the next man up, and we'll have a huge challenge this week up front because uh, I tell you when. You win up front. When we play good up front, we have a chance to win the game. When you don't, you don't, it's hard. When you looked at the, the film, and obviously when uh, Strother went out, it, you know you had to shift things last week. How did how did that work? Do you think? I mean, how did how did Justin kind of fill in? Uh, you know, when you when you graded things out, I guess. Well, overall, I thought you know you have to you have to be encouraged that he got in there and played. The the, the biggest adjustment was he had to go play left tackle, and he has played right tackle, and he's played right guard. He had to go play left tackle. Uh, so the very first drive, he went he went the wrong way a couple of times, and it's literally, you'd be thinking like, no way that could happen, but you know it's 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 backwards, and you know that cost a couple of plays in there, but overall he competed, he he did a good job. I'm sure glad we've got him. Uh, you know, you you just uh, how many holes can you plug? You know, you when when the shot went down, everybody was just like anybody but him at this point right now. Uh, but uh, Justin did a good job. We got, we got a lot of guys that are banged up that gutted it out. There were some other guys that uh, probably would have liked to have been out of there maybe or should have been out of there, but they wouldn't come out because they knew we didn't have anybody else. So this year has been a, uh, a tough year, obviously, overall, but in a lot of ways it's been good because a lot of these young kids have gotten to play a lot of football, and that's how they get better. Uh, that's the only way to get better is for them to get in there and play. They, they might be playing more than they actually wanted to play, but I think in the, in the long run, we'll, we'll be better for it. Coach, a ton of games getting postponed and canceled this week, uh, and I know Temple's had some concerns. Is there any concern at this point from, from what you've been able to gather that the game won't be played Saturday, or are you all still confident? 
Well, I just just waiting to, to walk in here two minutes ago, I just heard it's been like 14 games canceled. So, you know, we, we've been in the cave all day. So I didn't know that. And uh, uh, Nina just it's expressed that. And so I know we're going into an area that is in a little bit of a shutdown or something. They were also saying in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I guess that's above my pay grade. I don't get any of that. I am just focused on trying to find a way to move the ball and try to get our guys to play the best they can. And uh, I'm going to be here either way, you know, first thing in the morning, probably here to late tonight and tomorrow. And I'm expecting to, to go play until somebody says, don't, you know, don't go play. But I, I've heard nothing uh, like that at all. We have prepared just like we do every week. Uh, I guess you would anyhow, but uh, uh, as far as I know, we're rolling. And, and I know we want to go play. I know we want to go – I want to go play. I know the kids want to go play, uh, at least, you know, the offense kids I'm around mostly, you know, talking about it with them today. They're excited about trying to go and play better. I think, uh, you know, three weeks ago we were starting to build some confidence, and I, I was worried that, you know, we'd have to keep our kids knocked down a little bit. They were starting to get, you know, the feeling of, hey, nobody can stop us but ourselves. And I really felt like that was probably true. And now we've probably had a little bit of blow to our confidence because things haven't gone as well as we want them to go. And that's life. That's a learning experience. So the only thing that would make us all feel better is to go play well and win. And so that's what we're looking forward to. Coach, um, how would you say your quarterbacks played this year? I know last week was a tough game for him, but how has he played this year? Well, with the exception of last week, and I think Georgia State, he's played great. I mean, I, I don't know how you could have played a better game than he played at Tulsa. That was phenomenal. I don't know how you could have played a better game than he played at South Florida. He was absolutely dead on. He didn't play in the Navy game. Uh, you know, the Georgia State game was a tough game. We got behind, and I think he pressed a little bit and, uh, you know, turned it over a little bit like that. I thought he played really well against Central Florida as well. So, uh, last week uh, – you know, that was a tough game. It's a good defense. I'll give them some credit for that. I never take anything away from them. We got too far behind. That makes it tougher on the quarterback, you know. And the main thing is if he just – if he wouldn't have had the turnovers, uh, you know, one of them, the, the guy ran the wrong route. That's that's tough on the quarterback. You get hung up when the guy runs the wrong route. You, you throw an interception. The other two were, were on him and, and on me. So, uh, hopefully we can eliminate those. And I think if you eliminate those, then he's he's uh, he's a great player. With the, the running backs, Donnie, uh, obviously Keaton had a kind of a breakout huge game last week. And it kind of before that, it was Rajay who had the, the hot hand. At, how do you maybe handle that this game and these final two games? I mean, do, do you want to try to split carries with them or do you just go with the hot hand? I mean, how do you, do you see how that plays out Saturday, I guess? Well, we, we would we'd love to have the thunder and lightning combination. Is That's the dream. We, we had that at the last place I was at. The year we won the national championship, we had two backs that could roll in there. I think you see a lot of the teams that can run the ball well around the country. Uh, the University of North Carolina had the opportunity to watch them, I guess, Saturday since we weren't playing. You know, they have a two-back deal there that's working really well. That, that would be the dream to do that. We kind of kid them. Uh, one of them goes in, you know, anything I can do. The other one says I can do better. So they compete in a friendly rivalry type deal. But I think they're very good uh, complements to each other. One is bigger, one's a little maybe, you know, smaller and quicker type guy. But they both can play. They both can catch the ball out of the backfield. They both are young, and they both have got to learn to play without the ball a little bit better. 
they got exposed in pass protection last week. That was some of the issue right there when they brought their guy that they've got to pick up and they got beat. Uh, but they're two good young men that uh, the future is very bright. I think they are the future here that we'll build this team around those type, those type of backs. So uh, we, we will rotate them. Uh, it kind of depends on, you know, who, some one of them does get hot a little bit sometimes, but, the, but a little bit of it is just uh, uh, how the game's going, you know, because like if you have long drives, you're going to sub a little bit more in there. If a guy gets a long run, then you're going to call, you know, for, for a substitution. Uh, when you don't move the ball, then, you know, you, you don't sub as much. So uh, we, ha we haven't really laid out a number of carries or who, how many plays, but we plan to play them both a lot. Coach, I think every game but South Florida this year, there's been at least one turnover, and that was obviously the game you all played really well. How much of a, I guess, frustration has that been with kind of an older skill position guys and an older quarterback at times? Uh, and then would you like to see, it? obviously, a clean game make a big difference? I think it's the, it may be the number one frustration that we have offensively because I think it's the one thing that's held us back from having a chance to win a couple of the other games when besides the turnovers, we were playing pretty well. Uh, turnovers, and, and we've had some penalty issues, I guess, too. Uh, so that is and, – and the thing is, it's something that, that our staff takes great pride in, in not turning the ball over and that it's, it's coached so hard uh, the way we practice is designed to put them in that situation uh, to where we, we hit a lot in practice, we strip the ball in practice, we thud the guys, uh, you know, in every drill we do. So we coach it, everybody coaches it, not just the guy that's the running back coach or the quarterback coach, but everybody's told to coach if a guy's got the ball out loose or he's, you know, uh, you know, being loose with the ball. So we, we coach it all the time, we do drills. We've done more drills this year than we've ever done. Sometimes the, the thing just happens. Now, there have been some of those fumbles when a guy defensively put his helmet right on the ball just perfectly or just timed it up. It was just a great hit, and that does happen. You know, when our defense knocks one away, we, we take credit for that fumble. We don't always just say, well, they gave that away, and, and everybody does that. But there's been a couple of them when the ball was loose, and uh, that's been the situation. And then, the, and then the, the interceptions have been a little bit of an issue too, like I say. But the interceptions happen – uh, like I think we had three in the game the other night and we had three in the Georgia State game. Well, both of those games are games when you got way behind. So now the defense has a huge advantage in that. And, and that's when turnovers like that happen because you're too far behind. You're predictable. They know you're going to throw it. They can sit on it, stuff like that. I don't think we've had a lot of interceptions really in, in the other games. They haven't been multiple like that. You're going to have one every now and then. If you throw it 50 times, you're going to have, have a – interception in there but uh it's it's something we're working on uh it's something we got to eliminate though and and we don't we're on that time this year uh i would like to see us play clean for for two straight games that would be a huge huge improvement coach uh, how's pro played this year i think pro's done a nice job you know he had a had a super big game obviously against uh, Tulane, so all the games haven't been big like that and he has fought through a lot of injury uh, with a shoulder that's been banged up. So I'm really proud that he has gutted that out and been a tough guy. He's a very steady guy. We, we have a lot of different guys that are capable of having big games. He's had a big game. Snead's had a couple of big games. CJ's had big games in the past. 
uh, as well. And then we have running backs that have had big games too. So the issue we get into a little bit sometimes if we're not careful is there's not enough balls to go around. Everybody can't have 12 catches in one game and another guy have 200 yards rushing, another guy have 100 yards rushing. So it's not all about statistics necessarily that how they play, but he's done a nice job blocking. He does a nice job when he doesn't have the ball. He's caught the ball pretty consistently. He had a drop the other night. Nobody's perfect like that on a takeoff route that he had and let it come out. But uh, Blake's done a nice job. Okay, are there any other questions for, for Donnie? Okay, Donnie, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Okay. Um, just finished up. Uh, very sharp Thursday practice. Uh, good energy. Uh, kids zipping around. Uh, really pleased with uh, our execution today. So uh, good preparation for Saturday. You know, obviously a big ball game for us. Uh, going on the road. Uh, challenging opponent. Uh, going to be a Another great test for our for our guys, and uh, you know, excited to get up there and get to, get a chance to go compete again. Okay, we'll open up the questions. Coach, when you look at uh, this game, and I go back to the two lane game you mentioned, preparing and maybe some players maybe not understanding that the league or that matchup a little bit. Are there any similarities, or is this maybe a, another opportunity of um, not only the, you and Temple have the same league record, but for the future and, and kind of the vision you and, and Temple both want with your programs. Is this another opportunity to, to maybe take advantage of that, you know, this weekend? Well, I mean, I think every opportunity out is a challenge in this league. Uh, I had a reporter ask me earlier today just, you know, what my impressions were of the American Conference. And it's, you know, it's murderer's row. You know, every single week you're going to see a quality team. Uh, and this is no different. Um, you know, our, our kids, I think the older players, they understand exactly what Temple is. They've played them multiple times. Um, you know, our young guys have to trust our old guys and our coaching staff to know what we're up against. Uh, but again, I mean, you look at their two deep, uh, both sides of the ball, you're playing a veteran football team. Uh, you're going to see a young quarterback, but outside of the young quarterback, everybody else, grad students, uh, fourth and fifth year players. So, uh, and they're high quality players. Uh, you know, they've had a great tradition there. Um, you know, they've had their bumps bumps in the road this year, uh, but still a quality opponent that we're seeing on the road. So, you know, we've got to be ready to play at a high level. And it's, uh, we've got to be ready to compete. Uh, you know, it's going to Philadelphia, you know, just, you know, their tradition that they have there and the kind of teams that they've had and just kind of what they hang their hat on. You know, we've got to be prepared to go up there and it's going to be a backyard brawl. I think you're on mute there, Mark. There you go. Another big game uh, this week, like you said. Uh, this this league scores a lot of points. Can you address uh, how important it's going to be to just get out there and just find a way to get in the end zone? Well, I think that's that's it. I mean, I, I have a lot of confidence in our in our guys on the offensive side of the football, and have a lot of confidence in our quarterback. And uh, you know, I I told them as we left the field, you know, I, I want to go see us play to our potential. You know, go out there and execute at a high level be really aggressive, uh, you know, run the ball effectively, throw the ball effectively, you know, just you know, be what we know that we can be. We've shown flashes of this year. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's what we see on Saturday. It's going to be, it's going to be important for us to maximize our red zone opportunities. Coach, what uh, are you looking for out of, of Holton, not only this week, but just for these last 
two games now in the regular season? I think, you know, relaxed confidence. Uh, I think he's a, a, a very talented player. I've got a lot of confidence in him. You know, I want him to have that same confidence in himself and just go out there and play his game. You know, when he's really in the groove uh, and, you know, uh, comfortable, you know, confident, throwing the ball on time, uh, everybody working together and everybody on the same page, uh, I think he's an extremely, uh, extremely effective quarterback. And we've seen that uh, this year. We've seen that last year. And, yeah, he had a, he had a rough week last week. But, uh, you know, you're going to have those from time to time. All of us are. And, uh, you know, I just want to see him bounce back and just be, be the guy I know he is. Coach, with Warren Saver probably not coming back this year, any idea at this point if, if he will come back for next year with the extra year, or is that something that's still uh, being talked about? Well, I mean, I think all those guys that have that opportunity, you know, that's a decision that they've each got to kind of weigh and, and, and decide for themselves. Um, you know, he's told me he wants to. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, you got to give those guys the opportunity to finish the season strong and then make those decisions in the off season. But I think that uh, – I think he's he's had a very positive experience this year, and, and I think he wants to come back and, and kind of have that, you know, special senior year. Any other questions for Coach Houston? Yeah, uh, Coach, you had uh, talked a little bit of, earlier in the week about still trying to – uh, deal with the the set of I guess we'll call them restrictions uh, in Philadelphia. Have you all sort of finalized uh, how your game plan for the pregame is going to, to to go? And have you had to make any any changes to what your normal routine would be beyond what you sort of talked about earlier in the week? Uh, we we've adjusted where we're staying. We're not going to be staying in Philadelphia. We're going to be staying at a hotel that uh, I've used in the past in some of my games in the Northeast. So we should be able to operate normally. Any final questions for Coach? Okay, Coach, thank you for your time this afternoon. Okay, guys, have a good weekend. I'll see you Saturday. Okay, see you, Coach. Once again, that was the uh, the coaches' press conferences for this week going into Temple, the Temple football game. Um, Artie. I I, uh, I just wanted to see um, – I wanted to ask you, is this a must-win game for ECU? It's, it's, it's not even a question. Yes. This, this is absolute must-win. This is not only a must-win for me. This is a game where we, we, we make a statement. We let Pirate Nation know, okay, yes, we've had a bad season, but we are not giving up on our coach. We are not giving up on ourselves, and we're going to set ourselves up for next year for future success. This is a statement game for East Carolina. Like I, like I said before, the, you know, the, the, the press conference, this game is being served on a silver platter. And so for me, it's, it's about going out and just executing. We have, we, have, we have the game plan. We have the athletes. We have the players we need. Go out, execute, win this game by, you know, two, three touchdowns. I'd even love to see us win this game by four touchdowns. I don't know if that happens. But this, yeah, this is absolutely a must win because if we don't win this game, not only is the overreaction going to be serious, but it's going to be like, okay, you lost to a practice squad quarterback and 15 to 20 true freshmen. What the hell is going on in that locker room? Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what the questions are going to be. What the hell is going on? Because and, this is a game that we cannot lose. Uh, and I've maintained all year that 
no matter what, this season is not a failure. That there's a that there's a um, silver lining to be had somewhere, even in the record. But like you said, this is the first time that ECU's come in, and they. I mean, honestly, other than USF, like we were supposed to beat USF, but this is the, really the first time that ECU's come in, and they've had everything going their way. Mm-hmm. They've had a good pra- a week of practices this week. They've had an extra day off. They've had Temple come down with the injury bug and the COVID bug. And and ECU, I mean, they have everything going for them right now. They've got to, they got to make the most out of this situation. And uh, to me, losing this game, this is – if you lose this game, that that means that this season was a failure. Now, to- I, 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 I do want to ask you, if we do lose this game, what does that say about us going forward? Like, how, like I, I know you just said that, that you feel the culture is there, but if we lose this one, I mean, what, what, what do you feel that says about how we are as a program? It says that – I really want to say that it says that um, we're just not ever going to be competitive in this conference, but I know that that's not true. Um, I, I've seen it in other games and I've seen it and I even saw it last year. Some, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that it just says that we're further away than we thought we were. Yeah. Um, that, that would probably be, that would probably be my take um, is if we lose this game, that, that's probably what, that's probably what I'm thinking. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't think we, I don't think we lose this game. I hope we don't lose this game. Cause I don't think we lose this game either. I really do not want to sift through all the Facebook comments, all the Twitter comments about how we should fire Coach Houston and and start, how we should start Mason Garcia. Yeah. And, and and to be honest with you, I, I don't know if I can do another post game of heartbreakers. You know, if, if if we lose this one, like I said, I don't think we lose this game. I think we win this game handedly. But if we were to lose this game, I, I really don't know how I would handle the post game. Just being able to talk about how we how we were able to lose to a to a practice squad freshman quarterback, but you know, I I, I agree. I, I would say if if we were to lose this game, it would say a lot about you know. Okay, we're not where we thought we were. We're not building the right way. Right. Maybe we're never going to be competitive in the American. And if we're not competitive in the American, man, that that really says a lot. But I don't I don't think that's the case. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I think we can be competitive in the American. It just means that we're, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. We're not where we thought we were, but already, um, yeah, this is a must win game for ECU. Hopefully they don't walk the plank. Um, do, do you have a walk the plank for this week? Go ahead with yours. Let me, let me, let me think of one real quick. So I should have had this one last week and I'm going to call you out on it because you should have talked about this one too. Oh, all right. Uh, the the Chicago White Sox recently just hired a, a new manager. Uh, his name. Why are you Tony, coming from my Southside Bombers, man? Here, listen, hear me out. <laughs> the manager is Tony Larusa. Um, he's he's got a color. Hall of Famer. He, he's got a he's got a colored history. You got it. Um, you got to say Hall of Famer, Tony Tony Larusa. Yeah, well, I'm about to say Hall of Famer. <laughs> do you know Do you know this story? No. What's up? So Tony Larusso was pulled over. Uh, oh, you're talking about the DWI? Yeah, I know this story. He was pulled over for uh, driving under the influence. Um, he he was drunk, and uh, 
when, when the officer pulled him over, he said there was something about, do you know who I am? And the officer was like, I don't give a F who you are or whatever. And then Tony LaRusso said, I'm a hall of famer, brother. Uh, get, dropped the uh, brother on him like Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> to me, th- that's his second, I mean, that's his second D- DUI. Ugh. And and there's some, there's some other things with like, I mean, Tony LaRusso, he's, he's a, he, he's a, historic manager but he's got some uh his so there's some things in his history that i wish um that i believe that people don't talk about as much as they probably should mm-hmm. um i know that when he was named as, as the manager for the white Sox, there were some uh conversations about things that were were or were not said um back, back in the day when when he was a coach um i believe in the last time he was in Chicago, yeah. um, I, I know like Ron Gant, he, he's got some, he's had some things to say, um, former brave Ron Gant and uh, former brave Brian Jordan. I know they don't really get along with Tony La Russa, but uh, yeah, Tony La Russa, uh, don't drink and drive. Please don't do that. If you, if you drink too much, call a cab, call an Uber. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a Hall of Famer. Don't drink and drive. Tony LaRusso, walk the damn plank. And I and I have a rebuttal for that. I completely agree with you. Never drink and drive. That was very idiotic and stupid uh, by Tony LaRusso. But I will say this, and he's what, 76? He's old. He's 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 in his high 70s. He's not in his mid or low 70s. He's in the high 70s. I, I will say I was a little confused by the hire, even though he is a Hall of Famer, even though he is a three-time World Series champion. It, it's um, much he's like, won everywhere he's gone. What, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say it's kind of like the hire of Dusty Baker in, in Houston last last year. Yeah, I, I just this game is going very modern as it should, and I just don't know if he can keep up with a modernized baseball game. But we we shall see. You know, if if anybody can come in and, and be able to manage a baseball team, it probably will be Tony Larusa, even though he has not managed since 2011. I will tell you. The last time he managed, he won a World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals. So we have that. Look, I, I gotta, I, I gotta back the guy. He's my manager. But I, I, I will say this: um, I completely agree with you, Tony Larusa. You can never do that. You can never drink under the influence. You can never drink and drive. Um, but I do hope he can come in and kind of change the culture a little bit. Our last manager, I don't know why we got rid of him. I'd have given him another year. I feel like he was starting to build something nice on the South Side. We did get to the playoffs. We haven't been to the playoffs in eight years before then. But, you know, maybe they know better than me. I don't know. Either way, this is what we've got, and we've got to be able to build off of what we built last season. Um, my walk to plank is a little different, and it's a little uh, – it's, it's going to be basketball. So, you know, I know, Jared, you might want to hold your ears on this one. Please, please tell me it's it's uh, LeBron James crying about how, how long they're <sighs> – God, their all season is. It's not LeBron James, man. LeBron James. Leave LeBron James alone. In, in, anyway, my walk to plank is Clay Thompson's Achilles. Clay Thompson just came off of an ACL tear from last year. He missed a whole season. And on Wednesday, he had a practice in which he tore his Achilles, which means he's going to miss another season, which means his se- – not season, but his career is in jeopardy now – Basketball is better when Steph and Clay are healthy. It's just more exciting. It's just more fun to watch. 
and now we're not going to be able to see Klay Thompson. I really feel, feel for the guy. I feel sorry for him. Um, I don't know what's wrong with his body. Maybe he's not drinking enough milk. I don't know what it is. Get that boy some, some milk. milk. Get that boy some milk. I don't know what it is. But to Klay Thompson, please, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing for a speedy recovery. But to your Achilles and your knees and your legs, walk the damn plank. Damn. He might need, he might need some crutches. <laughs> Already. Uh, so we uh we're we're gonna start wrapping this thing up. Uh, let, let's talk let's talk some betting lines. Sure. Uh, Indiana at Ohio State University. Uh, this this is oh, interesting. I'm I'm so looking forward. This, and I hate that it's twelve o'clock. This should be a nighttime game. This, this should be prime time. This is an interesting game because you have number nine Indiana going into Ohio State. Um, both of those teams. I mean, Ohio State's good, but when when you haven't played really. All that they ain't uh, played nobody. You haven't played anybody. Why are you number three? That, they that's, ain't that's my whole problem with the the ranking system. But you got Indiana at Who's Ohio Cinderella? State. Cinderella, Cinderella of the season so far, by far. Twenty and a half point dog. They're Ohio State's favorite by twenty and a half. Yep. Oh, the disrespect. I know. And Indiana was a, a seven and a half point favorite last week against Michigan. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> And, and we know how that turned out. So, look, I I I, I will say this, and and you know who I'm rooting for. I, I oh, hope yeah. Indiana blows their ass out. I really do. I, I hope they show the nation that Ohio State is not what Ohio State is. Even though I think Ohio State expose them. Ohio State's probably gonna win the game. But either way, I am absolutely rooting for Indiana to win this game. They're the Cinderella of college football so far. They're four and zero. They haven't been four and zero since. 88. Well, you know them in Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. And and you you got the Brigham Young, Coastal, Liberty, all those other schools in there, Marshall. Um, but this is a trap game for Ohio State. If Ohio State comes into this game and they think that they're just going to come in and actually cover the spread and beat Indiana by 20-some points, they are in for a rude awakening. I've seen I've, – I've pretty much seen every Indiana game. I saw them play Penn State. Obviously, I saw them beat up my, my Michigan boys last weekend. This is a good football team. And if you don't game plan the right way, Indiana's going to beat you. That's just flat out. They're going to beat you. Yeah, I, I think if if Indiana wins this game, what it's going to do is not only going to expose Ohio State, it's going to expose the entire Big Ten. I mean <laughs> – Not really. Not really because I, 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 I think Indiana's good. I think Indiana's legit. But you, you look at it, you have Penn State, Michigan – well, Penn State, State is just—I don't know what the hell's going on with Penn State. But what you come—they—they they could have been a walk the plank too. It's the whole thing. It's the—it's the whole thing, and I won't get on my soapbox about the ranking system. Why the hell is Penn State and Michigan ranked to start the year, and now look at them? I—I I, I agree. I agree. Now as, as, as a Michigan fan, I complete. Penn State's on four. Michigan's one and three. But Penn but, State was ranked number eight. They were ranked eighth in the country. They're zero four, exactly, and that—that's my whole thing. <laughs> Get rid of the preseason rankings. Rank the teams based off strength of schedule, and you got—we got Artie. You and I need to come up with some kind of algorithm that actually ranks these teams based off of like actual numbers, yeah, not just made up bullshit. That uh, well, they—they they, they base it off of last year, last year's team. Last year's team is not this year's team, bro. And last year's team was already overrated on the rankings. I mean, you look at Carolina. Carolina came in as a top five team. Lost to Virginia on the road, who has a losing record. Lost to Florida State, who has a losing record. Who has a losing record? Yeah, it's absurd. 
I, I, I'm not going to talk anymore about the ranking system because I can poke holes in it all day long, mm-hmm. and and the Power Five does not want to hear me talk about that just because they know I'm right. Um, I'm taking I'm taking Indiana against the spread just like you are. Um, I'm also going to take uh, I'm going to take the over in this game, the 66 and a half over under. Oh yeah, I'm going to take, take the over, and uh, hmm, I don't know if I can take IU out outright. Um, plus 800. You know what? Like, if money wasn't a thing, I I, I probably would take IU in this game just because, like you said, I believe this could be a trap game for Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I Look, sadly, um, I I am picking Ohio State to win this game. I do think they're the better team. Take the over. I think think Indiana's going to cover the spread, absolutely. Um, But I might put some money on Indiana. I really might put some money on Indiana this weekend because I might win big because I do believe in Indiana. I think they're a legit football team. Yeah, well, when when you win big, uh, you, you can put it back towards the podcast. We'll, we'll run some ads <laughs> or something. Absolutely. Um, next game we want to talk about App State going down to the going down to Dirty Myrtle, uh, mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina. Ooh, now, that's gonna be a good one. Number fifteen in the country, Coastal Carolina. Coastal is a five and a half point favorite in this game, and I think I think Coastal beats them by three touchdowns. I haven't kept up with App State. Do you know their record? I, I haven't they're, really kept up. They're with them they're year. pretty they're all right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I know they're not bad. I know they're, they're doing pretty well. They're they're like a middle of the pack Sun Belt team, I believe, this year. Because I mean, you, you think about it, you got uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette, who's doing pretty good. You got Coastal. Um, you got your Georgia Southern still um, doing pretty good. So, and this is a team Coastal that beat Georgia State, the team that beat ECU by twenty. Coastal beat them by 50. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I believe thank, it was, thank God ECU doesn't have Coastal on their schedule. They beat yeah. the shit out of us. And people been push, People were pushing for ECU to schedule Coastal a couple years ago. No, don't leave them off our schedule yeah, right yeah, now. No, I no, do I, not I, want I, I want to leave Coastal alone. Coastal is legit. <laughs> they are legit. And I agree came, with you. No, they came ahead. out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely nowhere. But they, look, there's a lot of good talent in Myrtle Beach. There, are, there is a lot of good kids that come out of come out of the Myrtle Beach area. So it really doesn't surprise me that much that Coastal is good. Mason Garcia. It, it does surprise me that they were able to keep some of those kids at home. But there's a lot of great football talent in in Myrtle Beach. I got Coastal winning this game by two touchdowns. Yeah, like I said, I got them by three. Over under is 48. Take the over. Coastal Coastal can compete. They got a Heisman caliber quarterback at um at coastal i know he's like in the top 10 right now for heisman votes mm-hmm. um yeah take coastal outright also they're, they're minus 210 on the money line yeah coastal all the way take it to the bank even though app is good at, I, I will give look at app's gonna play well app, app's not gonna you know they're not a away. pushover they're not they're not a pushover they're not, they're not gonna be scared of anybody I and mean, we've seen that since you know the beginning of app state football but I, 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 I've got Coastal. I think Coastal is just a better team. And they're going to win this. Yeah, I, and I'm looking forward to ECU. I mean, ECU starts the season next year against App mm-hmm. in Charlotte. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game. Hopefully, we'll, we'll, have, we'll be able to have fans there, um, depending on how all this vaccine stuff works out. Absolutely. Now, Artie, um, before we break down the ECU game, I, I really want to give a heads up to all of our listeners. Um, those of you that listen, we, we have about um, – 250 every episode listening to our podcast. 
um because we you know we are the premier podcast of pirate nation um we've been doing it for just over eight months now and we want to give back we want to have we have we want to have some fun with y'all um so what i want y'all to do is i want y'all to get a case of beer uh get your favorite liquor whether it's uh some vodka some rum i mean pirates drink rum i mean i'm personally a bourbon guy um what we want y'all to do is we want y'all to get some drinks and we want you to log into log into our a Zoom call with us and watch this ECU football game with us against Temple. Watch ECU at, uh, beat Temple this weekend. Um, we'll, we'll be able to talk to y'all. We'll, we'll have some fun with it. Artie and I will uh, be, we'll be drinking. We'll be socially distanced because I'm quarantining right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it might, it might be a fun thing. I, even if we, even if we get 15 people on there just to kind of sit around, talk, and hang out, um, we'll, we'll be just kind of talking and, and watching football together. We don't, since we don't get to go to all the games together, we don't get to really uh, spend that fellowship as pirates together. Let's, let's do that this weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll be sending out a link on our, on our Twitter. Um, make sure, like, we'll, we'll also send something to where if you, if you like our tweet, We'll make sure that you get that link um, directly. That way, you don't have to go searching for it. Um, so yeah, just just be on the lookout for that. We'll we'll post it several times throughout the day. Um, we, we also might have some special guests hopping on. I know we talked to Ryan Wallen, the the guest from today's show, writer for twenty four seven for Owls Daily. Um, I, I think that he he might even jump on. We we might be able to have him come kind of come on and talk about Temple. Um, we'll, we'll have some, we'll have some kind of fun things going on. It's, it's really just, it's more of a relaxed thing that me and Artie, we've been talking about doing it and, and we're excited. We're excited to finally have the opportunity to do it. And, and it's something that I'm really stoked about Artie. I'm going to, I'm going to drink as many beers as I can. Yeah. I, I think this game is also the perfect opportunity to, to do this kind of zoom call to, to, you know, to be able to get fans together drink and actually watch an ECU victory. I know for, for you know, the, the past couple of games, we really couldn't do it because, you know, people were kind of iffy. I think this game is really a good game for us to all kind of kind of come together, fellowship, drink, and just watch ECU have a good game and perform well against Temple. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to have my uh, tequila sunrises ready. I, mm. I think, I think, I think this weekend might be a tequila sunrise kind of weekend. Mm. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be on that zoom call bright and early. I'll be I'll be popping some mimosas. How's that sound? Um, mimosas ain't bad either. Start off with some mimosas, go then go into beer, and then uh, after the game's over, when you and I do our do a post game recap, uh, maybe, maybe you and I can uh, we'll, we'll drink some bourbon and put out a podcast for for the people. Absolutely. And who knows? We might record it and that just be our podcast next week. Yeah, who knows? honestly. <laughs> who knows? We'll 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 have fun with it. Um, I, I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun time. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. We're we're really excited about it. We hope that um, we hope that all of you are um, that tune in and listen every week, weekend and week out. We hope that y'all are um, excited about something like that. We we just want to kind of give back. We don't we, we we know we can't really give much right now, but um, that that's what kind of what we want to do and kind of get y'all let y'all uh, kind of get in with us and um, just kind of shoot the shit and have fun. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's really all this, what this is all about. It's not about 
recording a podcast. We, we don't do this for money. We don't, if we were, we're doing it wrong. Um, exactly. We are doing it wrong. We're doing it for money. We're, we're doing this for, for our love of Pirate Nation. And we know our fans are, are true pirates. And, and we want y'all to join us um, this weekend on a Zoom call while we watch ECU take on Temple. Now, Artie, let's talk about this ECU Temple game real quick. Yeah. Uh, right before we wrap it up, ECU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Temple on the road. There's been a seven-point swing over over the last uh, five days since uh, mm-hmm. since Temple announced that their starting quarterback was going to be a true freshman in, in uh, Matt Duncan. Sorry. Matt Duncan, yeah. yeah. Sorry, it, guys, it is <laughs> – it's one fifteen. It's um, yeah. It's it's late, brother. We got to wrap this thing on up. Hey, it, it's gonna be a fun podcast for people to listen to tomorrow morning. That, that's for danger. Oh, yeah. Um, ECU's a three and a half point favorite against Temple. Over under fifty seven and a half. Um, like I said, ECU. I, I think ECU wins this by by two and a half touchdowns. Um, take ECU. Take the money line. ECU minus one sixty five and. Oh, I'm kind of weird about taking the over. Um, what was what was the over under again? Fifty seven and a half. Fifty seven and a half. Ugh. I'm taking the under. I yeah, I, I I agree with you. I'm I'm taking the under. Um, I, I I think if I had to give a final prediction score for this game, I think it's thirty eight ECU, seventeen Temple, which that puts you right at what fifty five. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking the under in this game. I think it'd be close, but I, you know, as, as far as the over under, but I'm, but I'm taking the under, I, I think ECU pulls away. I don't think they pull away in the first half. Sadly, I don't, I don't think they do that, but I think they pull away in the second half. Um, and I think they win this game handily. I think if ECU does what we said, they, they should do on defense. I think ECU wins this game handedly. And that, mm-hmm. that, that's why I think they hold temple to, I mean, I, I think they could hold temple to, like you said, Two touchdowns, seventeen points I, or so. I, I I think we should be able to hold them to seventeen with with what they have personnel wise. I think we should be able to hold them to seventeen. And if and if our offensive guys come out and play inspired, we we can we can score how many points we want to. So, yeah, ECU honestly, ECU coming off the loss last week, ECU could come out here surprise us and put up fifty points. They, would, they could. I, I would. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I would not. Yeah, it would not surprise me. But Artie, let's uh, let's kind of wrap this thing up. ECU's going to beat Temple this weekend. Um, so go ahead and put the, some money on that. Um, we're going to have a watch party, like we said. We want you to join us. We want you to kind of hang out with us, drink some beer, talk some sports, talk some ECU sports, um, talk ECU football. We'll do all of that um, live on, on our on our ECU watch party. Um, that, that's really all I got. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, following us on Instagram, following us on Facebook at Boneyard Podcast. Um, also, um, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a review. We want to know um, how we're doing. Leave us a five-star review, and we are going to love you. Um, I might even buy you a uh, sup crush next time I'm in Greenville. If, Ooh, if, you're, if you're there. Yeah. Uh, let us know. And How about this, Artie? First person that sends us a – the first person that sends us a five-star review, a screenshot of them sending us a five-star review with like an actual comment on, on, on the podcast, I will, I'll, I'll Venmo you enough money to, to buy a sub crush. I'll double that. All right. There, there it is. All right. So do that. Um, we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you. Uh, hopefully 
after an ECU victory on, on Sunday, Pirate Nation. Um, yeah. that, that's all I got. Um, stay safe. Um, wash your hands. <laughs> wa- keep Wear a mask. And uh, go wash damn Pirates. Wash your hands. Wash your butts. COVID is ramping up once again. Stay safe, people. And let's get through this together. We'll see you on Saturday for the game. Deuce.